Good evening and welcome to El Los of Pumar Takes. This is our 236 take live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. One for the books, one for the ages, and yes, another top 10 list. Tis the season, and this is the, even though this is my starting year two in the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas, this is our first top 10 in this new studio here. So I'm really excited. In fact, I've got a fantastic guest tonight. Yes, I've got a guest for my top 10 cigars. You don't want to miss this. I'm going to get to formal introductions in a second. But before I introduce the guest of honor tonight, we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And then, of course, there's our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Back in November, Drew Estate unveiled... Uh, on their Freestyle Life Special Edition broadcast on September 28th that they then sampled uh, them at the Kentucky Barn uh, Smoker at Drew Estate Presents the Savage Feast, Blackened Cigars, M81 by Drew Estate, now shipping and now at participating Drew Diplomat retailers all over the country. This was a great partnership. Blackened Cigars, M81 by Drew Estate is a dark, bold, and unapologetic collaboration into what Rob, Jonathan, and... Um, James Hetfield of Metallica. Yes, that Metallica put together and uh, Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate journeys the world of Drew Estate's beloved Maduro leaves, starting with a thick and oily Maduro wrapper that's grown in the rich volcanic soil of Mexico's San Andreas Valley, a thick, meaty Connecticut River Valley broadleaf Maduro binder and filler blend of Nicaraguan and Pennsylvania broadleaf Maduro tobaccos as well, including Drew Estate's boldest Pennsylvania broadleaf Lajero. All in the Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate. If you haven't checked these out, go ahead and check out your Drew Diplomat retailer. You want to scope this cigar out. It is something truly unique from our good friends over at Drew Estate. So check them out and smoke the new Black and Cigars M81 today. So welcome, everybody. This is our 236 take, the top 10 cigars of 2022. And I'm so proud, so pleased to introduce tonight's guest, Sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke one today. Start Living United. Mr. George Brightman. George, how are you doing tonight, sir? Great, man. Privileged to be with you. Excited to uh, to get down to the top 10, but also, uh, uh, you know, happy because uh, my Bengals represented today and uh, and took care of business. So I'm, I'm real happy about that. But, you know, what a great day. It's been a good start to a year. And by the way, uh, I've, I've really enjoyed sort of picking through some of the uh, the things that are out of this list. So I'm excited to get down to it. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about some of the details and how this kind of show came to be and everything. But I thought we kind of liven the show up a little bit, kind of kick things off with it. Um, I thought about this the other day. George, I've heard you talk about some tremendous experiences you've had with cigars, uh, both because of cigars and the cigars themselves. Um, yeah. And no one ever likes to think of it, but but... <laughs> You probably don't necessarily have this memory on the top of your head. Maybe you do, but what's one of the worst uh, cigar smoking experiences that you can recall uh, in your lifetime? I'm sure there's been a few here and there, but when... Uh, yeah, there have been a few. Uh, I can tell you, well, I, I, I'll, I'll make one um, simple memory, which was really an education I was down in Miami back in the, uh, well, God, it's uh, not quite 50 years ago, but back in my early days at Georgetown, I used to take my vacation break and drive down to Miami from here in D.C. 
and uh, I'd spend my week in the in the little Shinchals, you know, the, the shops there. And I, man, I had a day just, you know, you'd go in, drop in, see the guys talk about what's going on, smoke cigars, blends, you know, things that are happening. Dude, I got my ass kicked by a cigar from a, a little shop that isn't there anymore. But, man, they, they, had a, they had a sneaky, powerful cigar. It didn't look like much, you know. It had, uh, I'm pretty sure that it was a, a Mexican rapper back then, which nobody would have been bragging about. Uh, but it, you know, it had texture that sort of looked uh, Sumatra. So it was like, you know, trying to pass as either a Cameroon or, uh, or something like that. Anyway, man, that cigar crushed me. I was so miserable. Uh, and I was like, uh, you know, now you get that line of sweat and, uh, uh, you know, you feel like the black whirlies are descending, uh, you know, you're just miserable. And, and I was like, oh, this is real professional. You know, you just showed that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got six smoking a cigar and there you go looking at the kid anyway one nosing around going hey what do you got what's new what's different i want to buy and uh and they're like what the hell it was it was a great day though it was you know those days were spectacular because they were all educational uh, in so many ways because you're meeting cigar makers and you're talking about materials and you're looking at what you know what happens with the blend and how things change so Every every moment of those days was valuable, but but some of the dark ones. And I've had, uh, I've I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one other that was uh, maybe slightly um, uh, less embarrassing personally, but also incredibly frustrating. This is back when uh, uh, you know in cigar aficionado days, and uh, we were all in London for the launch of. Um, the the cigar brand um you know one of the new habano brands that had come out um god for a second i can't think of it uh, uh, not yeah the, the the san cristobal you know they were all named for uh for the for the uh the bridges in uh, uh the forts around havana anyway we, we were we were in london and uh um desmond Sauter, you know they were that was where the the, the initial release was and there was a, a pretty elite group of us. We went to a great guy, Honey Farsi's restaurant in the Economist building, and uh, uh, Desmond Sauter had picked out what he thought was the best box, having just received them from Hunters and Franco, the, the UK distributor. And they, nobody had had them yet. They were, uh, we, were, we were actually smoking them the day before the official launch. Oh, wow. And it was a beautiful, uh, it was a beautiful, because the cigars looked gorgeous. You opened the box, cracked it, smelled, and Desmond said, this is the best looking box that I thought. So we were all, we had this great lunch and we're hanging out and smoking. And I'm sitting there going, is anybody else wondering what the hell is happening here? I didn't say hell, I said something else. But anyway, they're like, oh, you too? And I went, yeah, this cigar sucks. It won't burn, it won't draw, it tastes like shit. This is terrible, right? And everybody around the table saying, you know, Edward Sahakian and Desmond. And uh, I mean, it was a, a who's who. And they're all like, oh, thank God. You know, I thought it was just me. Right. And I went, no, this, this thing is, it, it's not, this is horrible. So, you know, we, everybody went, dope, there were about eight or nine of us. Uh, and we all dove back into the box because everybody had picked the cigar they thought was going to be the best smoke. Dude, 
the next cigar was awful. They were just not ready to smoke. It was one of those things that I'm like, you know, big party tomorrow and everybody's got to you know, put on a happy face and say, oh, how lucky are we to smoke this cigar? In the meantime, I'm sitting there going, these things are dog rockets. They're just horrible. <laughs> I think I heard you tell that story before too, and it, like it, you guys even went back to the box a couple of times, or or other oh, other, yeah. other people did, and it, it just it, it it just didn't pan out. It didn't work. We out. We were we were desperate to find one that was smokable, you know, that that we could sit there and say, okay, you know, this is what the flavor is, and this is what's going on. They were it was an abysmal, you know, and, and not that the uh, not that the cigar didn't eventually come into its own. Uh, I don't think it was ever, uh, uh, let's put it this way, in terms of, of relative brand success, Robbie's, you know, the, 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 the Ashton uh, San Cristobal made by Pepin uh, is 10 times the brand and, and, and way more successful and far more enduring, you know, of all the sort of modern day Cuban brand reinventions or, or, or pure inventions, it, it's probably the least distinguished. Although there was a while when, uh, you know, when they were trying to sell Cuaba and saying they're all handmade, there are no molds, and they, they were all just these small figurados, that was, a, that was a bumpy start, too. They were no good. Speaking of which, though, do you mind? I've got cigar number 10 here. Look, look, look at this. You know, this. I mean, you sent it to me, so you know. Look at the shine <laughs> and color. It, it, is it okay? Can I can I light up? I've been yeah, absolutely. For a while now. Yeah, that, that well, that I mean, that'll that'll take us into tonight's major point, which obviously is the top ten list in question. So tonight's major point is always brought to you by the people. Yeah, cigar people, the people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is, but behind the fun <laughs> is motivation for service. A motivation for giving back from the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins. Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. So really, uh, um, I know everyone's here looking forward to another top 10 list um, of 20 for 2022. Uh, this, uh, this, this show traditionally, George, uh, and I know some of my viewers knew this, this is one of my, it used to be one of my quicker shows, but, uh, tonight we're going to put a stop to that. Cause I mean, uh, I couldn't even get a puff on a cigar, uh, you know, in the last few years. So, uh, just cause I was doing most of the talking. So I thought uh, that that's not the, that's not the reason at all. Uh, you bring in a ringer, you bring in a ringer to do your heavy lifting for but, you, huh? Yeah, but I, I mean, this is it. So to, to give everyone the background here, I mean, I wanted, I wanted to do this, um, this show for actually for a while, for a couple of years. I've been, I've been toying within my head. Um, you know, I've had the opportunity to in, interview you uh, on Cigar Coop Primetime Special Edition, um, and it's just been, it's been a real treat, kind of uh, building our relationship and our friendship uh, around, again, around cigars. And and you talk very frequently about how. Uh, the gifts that were given to you in your life, and and and, and it's all because of the the cigar industry, and and I feel the same way uh, in a lot of stretches. So this is uh, this is a little bit of that come to fruition. You know, um, we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight. But you, you know, you, the the moments in the cigar history that we that we laud over and talk with such reverence about, and well deserved too. I mean, you were you were present for a lot of it, and not just you know, an observer, because, you know, you happen to have a couple of years of age over me, but like you actually were there in terms of involved, you had your, your, you know, the sleeves rolled up and you were involved in a lot of different things. And, and, um, and so I thought it would be a fun exercise uh, to send you my top 10 cigars blind. 
uh, and let you uh, let you kind of experience uh, the journey with us tonight. And uh, obviously, we're not going to go through 10 cigars. You, you've smoked a, a few ahead of time, which we'll go through uh, some of your tasting notes and what you thought of it. And uh, mm-hmm. the, the really cool thing about this is uh, you and I might disagree on what is or and or agree on what's a what is a good cigar, what has a you know, good experience for you. But uh, um, some of the notes that I read through already were just fantastic i am really glad that you enjoyed it. i was really bummed about one uh, i'm gonna have to send you a couple more because i want i really want to see if i hoping that was a dead experience for you um but uh but nevertheless uh you're smoking number 10 now uh do you have uh, i know you just lit it up and everything any initial impressions that you want to share about number 10 well first of all as i said it's a beautiful looking cigar it had uh, a wonderful, the aroma off the foot was phenomenal and the cold taste was great. Um, but it, you know, it's one of those, it, there's a tactile aspect to this, you know, sometimes we leave that out in our experience of a cigar. We, we don't really think about, you know, how it feels in your hand and, and that, you, you know, sometimes you find yourself, you're sitting there rolling the cigar and looking down at it going, man, what a beauty this is. And I'm so lucky to smoke it. Uh, uh, but I, this this thing has um, uh, very fresh. It, it has a lot of things that I like in a cigar when it starts, which is a little bit of a combination of some light, sort of fresh, forward floral notes, but an earthiness underneath, which gives me promise for what could be coming. Right. In other words, I'm not I'm not looking for a cigar that's like a, a dance through the flower shop for the whole experience. I'm I'm more than happy to have it as a uh, as a beginning, but, but I, I don't, I don't want it to stay that way. Yeah. Floral, uh, floral notes kind of, uh, can, can be very polarizing floral and citrus notes. Cause they, they sometimes indicate there there's depending on the tobacco that you're talking about and condition, sometimes there's an indication of the tobacco potentially being young, but that's not always yeah. the case. Peruvian Colombian tobacco, they tend to have, you know, more floral citrusy component to it, even when well fermented and well aged, um and so they can add this yeah this polarizing dynamic that if that's not what you're looking for in an enjoyable cigar and if it lasts the whole experience it's not gonna be a fun time it just isn't so well and if they go the wrong way too you know that's part of the issue is that that you know it's it's what it has to lead into and and how other notes come in to uh to, to to make for a full experience if it just remains that it's this light, you know, uh, 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 a dance through the uh, the florist, uh, it's no good. You're going to be you're going to be frustrated. But the, the 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 other thing that can happen from that is exactly as you said, if they're if they're in the wrong stage and they 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 take that turn into green ammonia hay sort of sour and they and they start to you know get. Uh, tighten up the, uh, on on the edge of your palate, and you sit there and go, "Oh no, man, this can't be happening." Because you can you know, so many times you like the way it starts. I I to me the the the, the genius of uh, of cigar blending is giving you bright and sweet and floral herbal at the same time that there's some underlying funk, you know, that barnyard quality, and they and they dance, they stay in balance as you smoke the cigar. Different things appear, and the cigar has a ride. You know, it takes you on a journey. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, whereas, it, it, you know, if something is light and fun and fruity when it begins and it stays that way all the way through, it's like, uh, no, you know, what are you doing? Why? What? Who did you think was smoking this cigar? And by the way, 
there's nothing. It, there are plenty of people who like that. I know lots of people who like cigars that light up one way and stay that way the entire way through. That that's yeah. their idea of of solid and reliable and enjoyable, and it fucking puts me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> same thing. No, same thing here. Um, I am exactly the same. I like more complexity in my cigar. I I mean, there are certainly you know some simpler noted cigars or consistent cigars the way you've described them that I that I enjoy. Um, but, um, I'm definitely in a small size, in a small size under the right circumstance. You know, yeah. there are plenty of times when you, when you, know, you might like not that, have so. an hour, right. You know, but, but, but if it's, a, if it's a real cigar and it's something that you're sitting down and, and ready to, uh, to, to, you know, relax and give yourself over to, you don't want the same thing happening the entire time through, you know, you don't want it to not have any surprises or, or, you know, the return come and go of flavors. No. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm just more, I'm more here for the complexity. So speaking of complexity, I've got a few cigars for you to choose from tonight. Uh, so uh, actually, none of these cigars are on my list. So spoiler alert, none of these cigars are on my list. Uh, one is actually a former number one cigar of the year uh, winner for me, which is the Christoph Vengeance uh, from uh, 2019. Was my Love that cigar. shape. I, I, Love that shape. I'm. I'm very picky when it comes to Figurados, Perfectos, Torpedos, Trompetas, all those, you know, those type of, like I said, Figurado cigars, George. And I just uh, really enjoy it. Um, I, I think it's phenomenal in this Fatola. Um, it just has just a wonderful, again, it, it adds a, the way that it's, the way that it's made. It just adds some complexity to it. I also mm -hmm. have a, one of a, cigar that just is absolutely crushed for a lot of people coming out of the trade show this year, a limited edition. So therefore not eligible for the top 10 list. The, my father, Le Bourgeois, 1922, 1922, 100 años. Yeah. Um, and two other cigars. I can crack a box of another cigar that's received some pretty good fanfare this year. The Olmec Claro from foundation cigars. Mm -hmm. um, and an, again, another new release from this year too. Uh, the Casa Magna Connecticut uh, from Quesada Cigars. I have it in a Robusto uh, marca. So, uh, George, it's up to you. I will light up anything that you choose. So whenever you're ready. I think you should save the Casa Magna Connecticut in case you need a nightcap cigar that's, uh, that, that's got flavor and is satisfying but, but goes easy on your palate. The Olmex, I think you should lay uh, lay down, put those away, and uh, and come back to them later. That's my suspicion about the cigar. And normally, I would tell you to go ahead and fire up a pass number one, like the Christoph. Um, you know, we can talk about Figurados later on. But I'm telling you now, if I had in front, I, I could not resist picking up and lighting that my father Le Bijou. That that cigar is just it, it I means everything we were just talking about it you know how it opens up the things that it starts with the journey that you go through smoking it that that cigar is just a joy it really is i'm i'm secretly hoping that like they're using the they're using the cel the celebration to and uh, to kind of put this test the market if you will mm -hmm. <laughs> and then maybe maybe they're holding back and say you know what we're one of these jobs it's not unheard of in the cigar industry at least 
Right. This limited edition that we had that we could only make XYZ boxes of, it's now actually going to become a regular production right. cigar. Exactly. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. So, uh, and then it could be, and then suddenly it could be eligible for next year's list. How about that? So, uh, I have no inside information. That is not something that I know for sure will happen, uh, but it might be something that uh, I'm um, willing to uh, talk about. So, but I do, I do have a little nod to some special edition or limited edition cigars that I did mm-hmm. smoke during the course of the year. And that's, I, I list those in my honorable mentions, much to Coop's chagrin. I have honorable mentions to my list. Uh, he always gives me, he always gives me a, a, some shit and busts my balls about it, but that's okay. Um, because he says it's an out, right? It's yeah, a, uh, yeah. it, it's a, but you know what? It's really smart because it's, it's, uh, you know, we all, we all end up with those cigars that we have and we go, God, these are so good. But they're not, you know, it's not necessarily a repeatable experience unless you're, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos with the unlimited humidor. Right. Well, and that, and that's kind of the, what the funny part is, is I, uh, I mean, to to my ever loving shame, I'll even I'll use that term to my ever loving shame this year. And several conversations that I've had with the manufacturer of the first cigar to make my honorable mention list, I tried to get him to say that it was regular production. Right, uh, so you so could it, include it, so that it would, could could include, it. and uh, and unfortunately, it's not. And that's uh, you insisted on being honest. Yeah, and that's a cigar I know that uh, that you've enjoyed it too. Uh, we've talked about it frequently, and I know he's a good friend of yours, uh, Mr. Pete Johnson, with the Tatuaje Cojete uh, Cape Especial. Uh, love, I love the Sumatran wrapper on that size. Uh, it makes my, my first my first honorable mention uh, cigar for twenty twenty two. So congrats, uh, Pete, uh, to making a phenomenal but uh, limited edition cigar uh, that yeah. unfortunately isn't eligible for my top ten, uh, but makes that list so speaking of this like well bear wait 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 so what are the rules what are not the rules all right so a quick refresher for people who have maybe this is your first time joining me uh on a top 10 cigar uh journey maybe it's not but if you just need a refresher so here are the criteria there's seven basic pieces of criteria first one is it's vitola based okay so we're not just going to say the old met claro no it's specific to a vitola now there might be some cigars out there that only have one vitola and that's Mm-hmm. That's fine, but uh, most cigars don't. Most blends have several Vitolas in their lineup, so it is very it is Vitola based. Second was I have I had to have have smoked the cigar for the first time in the last year and a half, uh, eighteen months exactly from uh, from uh, earlier this year. For actually earlier in the fall, rather is my cutoff date. Um, but number three, this is very important. The cigar can't suck. <laughs> I know that seems really hard to hard press. It's a hard press thing, but yeah, the cigar can't be terrible. So uh, shocker. Uh, there are. Well, wait, let me ask a question. I, I'm sorry to interject, but just one sure. thing. When you say that, does that mean so? So you know, normally, like to make a top ten list, you got to be familiar with the cigar, and you got to you got to have smoked it more than once. I and mean, I know some of these things are are cigars that you really enjoy, and that you 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 know you've gone into uh, in great depth. Right. But if, if you get a cigar, if, if you get a cigar, well, you know, something that you're thinking, oh, you know, this was in that list and you and you go and you get one that sucks. Does that disqualify it? In other words, if they slip up and make an error and you go, man, this cigar sucks. It's a beat. Uh, does that take it off the list? Is that one of the ways that you can use parameters to say, OK, we're calling from the herd. You guys were not 100 percent. 
You know, it's a, that's a really good point, George. And, and unfortunately, I'm not that strict on it. Um, maybe I, I should think about changing that because I think that's a, I think that's a pretty valid point. Like, which one delivers? Not not a time, but I mean, it, it kind of is uh, built into it with my rule number one, which we'll get into in just a second here, or my excuse me, my rule number seven, which is actually the seven. heaviest barrier uh, when it comes to factoring what cigars qualify for my list and where they rank. Right. Um, you know, number four is not limited edition. So no TAA, no shop exclusive. Like we just talked about with Pete's Tatuaje, Cojete, Capa Especial. Uh, they cannot be a limited edition cigar. Um, a previous number one winner. So example, Christoph Engines. Right. Not make the list again. Cannot be number one again. Even if they come up with a different Vitola, a number one winner cannot re-enter the list. I don't have that many spots uh, to give out. So uh, it just, you know, may, one day that might bat me in the ass, but it's, uh, for right now, that's that's the rule. Uh, six is a company cannot have more than one cigar on the list. Uh, they can, however, um, they can, however, have an honorable mention if they make a nice, great limited edition uh, mm-hmm. and a great regular production, they can have an honorable mention and a top 10 uh, cigar. But uh, a uh, they cannot... They cannot have two cigars in the top 10. So, um, and uh, the last one, this was to your point, George, the biggest one is um, the frequency of smoke. So basically I've had to have had the means, the opportunity, and did in fact uh, smoke this cigar frequently over the last 18 months. So uh, for example, the cigar that you're smoking, number 10. Now this was my lowest smoking year since I, since I started doing lists. I've always kept track of what I smoked yeah. for a pretty pretty long time uh but this is probably my lowest smoking i had <laughs> people know i had double pneumonia earlier this year <laughs> mm-hmm. so i was down for the count in terms of smoking and everything but that cigar that you're smoking there i had uh just just uh just under two boxes or about right about two boxes worth of 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 smoking time with it so um enjoyed it uh you know immensely which will We'll reveal it here in just a couple of minutes, but that's my criteria. But I think that's a, that's a pretty valid point on, on it must not suck. So it has to be consistent, but I think the re, where seven kind of takes that over door and you can feel free to disagree with me here is like, if it, if it's inconsistent, I'm not going to keep coming back to it. Even if I had a great experience with it one time, right. Or two times. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how are, how are, how are you, when you go back to cigars, do you go back because just out of sheer curiosity? Often, often I revisit cigars because for two reasons and they're polar opposites. I revisit cigars that I respect the cigar maker and the blend concept and everything else that they have dedicated to the business. And, uh, you know, there's some ballyhoo around the cigar and I smoke it and I go, oh, my God, this is a disaster. It's not, you know, I, I, it, either it's not for me or it's actually not a very good cigar. And that it's happened both ways. Right. I am perfectly happy to disagree with somebody or have someone disagree with me about my evaluation of a cigar. But most of the time, if I if I encounter a cigar that 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 that, that I, I respect the pillars of it and it's a bad experience, I will revisit. But more important by far is when I find a cigar that I fall in love with that is so unique. I mean, remember last year I was telling you about a couple cigars that I was just blown away by. I just thought they were so extraordinary. Uh, one was a one was a Las Calaveras. Uh, one was right. a, a 
uh, a Mildias, and one was a cigar from Hochi Blanco, you know, the, uh, the, the, the Imperial J. And I needed to revisit those cigars to make sure that I hadn't just gotten a fluke, a freak accident. And, and I, you know, it's been a joy to discover that I was not wrong. Yeah, the I think the um, the Las Calaveras from last year in particular. I've always I love that series. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been a fan of it. Um, I, some years, other uh, than most, they they kind of they take it in a direction that I'm just really really enjoying. Last year's was really impressive. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and kudos to them when they first started it. The very first, I remember the very first one. And I know some people Ooh. weren't fans of it, but man, I man, that just God, that cigar was awesome. I, I think it was one of the great cigars of that year. Was that, I, I want to say 2014. Is that right? That sounds right. I think well. I, I think so. But it was one of, not only was it one of the exceptional cigars of that year, but it kept improving. It kept showing better and better and better. Every time I go back to revisit, I'd be like, man, this cigar, it just blows my skirt up so bad. It was so great. And every time I did, I'd be like, shit, now I have one less to smoke. <laughs> Yeah, I've got. I still have a few. I have a few from each year. Still, there's not a year that I've 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 run out yet. I know mm-hmm. one day there will be. Um, um, year one is not getting low because I really stocked up on that. Uh, even as uh, you know, even as broke as I was back then, <laughs> still was a year, to, man. To Smart away, move. So. Smart um, move. And I've really enjoyed it, which has been really good. Uh, it's still, and I think it's still aging pretty well. Um, it's not. It's not yeah. fading too much. No, no, uh, no, no. So, uh, for so more, that's the criteria. That's the that's range criteria. of criteria for for making this. Now, you started the honorable mention. Keep going because we should, you know, in a way, talking about a cigar that makes an honorable mention gives people an idea of, you know, where, where the where the not only where the parameters are, but where your taste buds lie. In other words, what you mm-hmm. pick as an honorable mention cigar from outside the 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 top ten that you've actually created is interesting. True, and this uh, this next cigar uh, was made by last year's uh, uh, last year's winner. Uh, last year's number one cigar of the year, of course, was the Dissident Rave, uh, which is made by James Brown of Aveja Negra, and he also has another uh, brand called Blackworks Studio. Uh, yeah. And the Intergalactic Corona Larga uh, was an incredible uh, LE that he did this year uh, that I just thought was just sensational. I. I remember how great that cigar was. And I think it, uh, when I was on a streak of smoking several cigars in a row, I think I was up to like four or five over uh-huh. a course of a couple of days were just awful, just bad. Yeah. Like it just really just a rough stretch. And I was like, I need, I need something. And, and I already had like a couple of intergalactic that I really enjoyed. And I was like, you know what, this hit the last couple of times I smoked it. So I lit it up and it was like, it was like heaven. <laughs> It was so good. Reset your palate, right? Yeah, totally reset my palate. Uh, beautiful complexity. We're talking about complexity. Great uh, richness, spice, you know, and but it had this 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 great del- delightful sweetness on the retro hill, which is really unique for him because usually you get that heavy spice uh, on a lot of a lot of his stuff uh, yeah. because of some of the Nicaraguan tobaccos that he uses. But the intergalactic to me was a little bit more sweet through the on the retro hill. Uh, and the spice was more on the mouthfeel, which I thought, and it just, it, it was a fantastic blend. So that was my second honorable mention. My third 
honorable mention was a cigar that we did on a round table and it's uh, a name that you guys see each and every week and that's uh, alec bradley the fine and rare bc uh, 13 4 ev uh which was uh, i thought a sensational uh limited edition it's it's probably the best fine and rare that i've smoked i'm pretty sure it is uh, i'll go ahead and say it it, it was mm-hmm. just a, a a wonderful cigar have you did did you, did you have a chance to try either i know you've had the cohete but have you yes. have you tried any of the uh the the alec Bradley fine and rare or the black studio well i've had black studio and uh been uh, pleasantly surprised uh virtually every time and um, i'm absolutely in their corner uh rooting for the company the blends and the things that they're doing um i did not get to have uh this year's alec bradley fine and rare release because everywhere i went they're like oh we we sold them immediately i mean it literally was one of those things that came and went like that you know because people are listen you know there's a little bit of mania around some of this stuff and people are oh i gotta have it so it's a limited edition but by all reports uh it was it was it lived up to the hype and so i'm sure i'll you know i'll i'll find one i'll get one from somebody that that either you know bought a box or uh or, or laid in some extra stock so i'm confident of that but but kudos to them for pulling it off you know yeah they i've i really think i really like the the mantra that he takes with black square studio just because he keeps uh, he kind of saves his really creative side does he and he's he's said this not me but he he saves his really creative side for that he can you know they're very you know the the rappers he does a lot of i wouldn't call them barber poles but just a lot of different different multiple types of rappers on the yeah. um you know the he outside does the cigars is what i call them what cigars what do you call them i call them stunt cigars you know stunt cigars. they're like uh they're they're uh they're they're prize winners at the uh, at the carnival you know the uh, the cigar roller makes this thing and you look and you go what you know it's like back in the day that the the cuban rollers used to make stuff like baseballs and uh uh you know and then uh lito we they'd make footballs and uh, you know i know, right. I know a guy used to make a baseball bat and oh you know different things you know these outrageous things that are detailed with the, the most extraordinary cigar making skills not that they're ever going to be production but you look at them and you go wow man yeah. there this is it's a masterpiece and when i see those from them and i look at them and i go look you know there's like the, the three different the little the little stripes of maduro that are, it, 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 i just go man this is some some impressive quality control to get the rollers producing that to be enough even to chip a limited edition you know i mean right. it, it's 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 great and the thing is the the proof of the pudding is always in the eating in other words i don't care that you can make a cigar that looks like the coolest thing and it's got all this stuff if it doesn't smoke right and it doesn't taste right i don't give a damn you know i mean i right. was like eh, you know okay come on it was a gimmick but but no some of the stunt cigars have absolutely been like wow you're sitting there going this is really impressive work so god bless you know good for them and uh i've heard you talk uh i know you've i've heard you talk about him on a couple of recent interviews including the last one that we had the opportunity to and you know skip martin has done some really great stuff out of uh nick Asueno. and uh one of the cigars that he's put together which was a great partnership with uh, his longtime uh partner uh brand owner of pastania mike stevankevich yeah. uh the pastania spc 20 
uh, was in a Corona size. And that's the, that's the next uh, honorable mention. I thought that cigar was absolutely sensational. I smoked that for the first time, actually this past winter um, I was down for the great smoke and we were at Caribbean cigar in Miami. And uh, I thought that, that cigar was just absolutely sensational. Uh, um, so I called it a magic trick. I called it a magic trick. I said, how does this little cigar deliver this much flavor? It was, I, I was like, my God. It was, I, I really enjoy. And the, the thing is too, like I'm used to, uh, you know, skips man and, you know, and even Mike has a, a propensity for that kind of a palate, you know, stronger tobaccos necessarily, but, but, but Skip can be really subtle when he, when he needs to and nuance when he needs to as well too. So, I mean, he's got, he, he has a lot of weapons in his repertoire. And I thought the SBC 20 was probably uh, one of the most complex cigars that he's ever delivered. And that's saying something because I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of his cigars uh, quite a bit. So, um, and the last honorable mention is a, uh, harkens back to the original list of 2017 the number one award winner was the uh the espinosa habano uh number four um which is a brilliant regular production from them i still smoke them a lot uh quite a bit and uh but they put out several limited editions uh this year celebrating a lot of great things i mean what a year that that uh that eric and Hector and Eric Jr. and Jack and Richie and all those great folks down at Espinosa have had such a great year uh, and everything. But uh, the one limited edition that just like immediately grabbed me, uh, just absolutely love was the Espinosa 10th anniversary cigar. It's just, uh, yeah. oh man, it was, it hit in all the right spots and, um, and makes uh, the fifth and final spot on my honorable mention. So um that's a cigar you reveal that's a cigar you reveal being greedy about because the minute you smoke one you go i, I, I gotta do whatever it takes to get more of these yeah i gotta i gotta lay them in yeah i gotta get more of them and then yeah and it's not a cigar you share with just anybody too like i'm all yeah. about sharing cigars but you you keep that one close for close friends right. and people who will appreciate exactly. it most. so that's the five honorable mentions uh the tatuaje cohete capa especial 2022 the Espinosa 10th, the Posanya SBC 20, Alec Bradley, uh, fine and rare BC 134EV, and the Blackworks Studio Intergalactic Corona Larga. So number 10, which you are smoking right now, and uh, we'll get your in, in additional impressions here in a second. So we'll go ahead and reveal number 10 right now. And that is uh, formerly Ace Prime, but Luciano Cigars, the Sergeant is coming in at number 10, uh, made at Tabaculera Pichardo. The wrapper is Ecuadorian Corojo 99. Uh, mm -hmm. Binder is a, is a Connecticut hybrid from the United States. Uh, don't know if that's Habana, probably something of that nature, but uh, undisclosed other beyond that description. Uh, the fillers, uh, there's Nick Rogwin, uh, S. Lee Lajero, and Jalapa, and Pueblo Nuevo, uh, and Pueblo Nuevo. Nuevo, excuse me, Visos in the filler. Visos. So that's the number. That is the number ten. Comes in like you said. It's a big cigar, fifty-eight gauge. Good. Uh, that's a nod to my friend Coop. Not quite a Gordo, but close enough. Uh, five inches by fifty-eight. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I. Well, I'll tell my what, what flavor notes I typically get off of it. But what's uh, wh where are you at in the cigar so far? And uh, what uh, how are how are you enjoying as it's come along a little bit? Well, look at it. It's beautiful construction. Can you see that that ash? Uh, and, and it's got a razor sharp burn. Uh, it's holding its ash beautifully. The smoke is just this 
it's velvety, it's rich, it's thick without being uh, oppressive. It has uh, this cigar, by the way, the thing that I noticed the second that I lit this cigar up is the aroma is really enticing. And that to me is really, really important. You know, aroma says it, it informs so much about, you know, especially when you're when you're first lighting up, it gives you a lot of information about the maturity of the of the tobaccos that are involved. Uh, but more than anything, this is just a really rich. Uh, it's almost syrupy, like you know. There's a there's a there's a there's a heavy viscosity uh, that that. Uh, that that goes along with some of the funkier aspects of this. And when I say funky, I mean something good. Some people, you know, think that's negative. But th this is a, uh, it, 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 look, you know, for, for better or for worse, this size is effectively like, a, you know, trolling the Bahike fans for this uh, oversized ring gauge uh, in this, in this little blunt, uh, firecracker but by god it is delivering flavor to spare and it is remaining cool in terms of the temperature of the smoke at the same time that it's giving me this thick rich delicious uh and there's some there's some uh there's some coffee or maybe espresso notes that are that are in there uh but but you know as i look at this thing and sit there and go my god man it is this is rich and, you know, rich, satisfying, but not overpowering. This has none of that, you know, upfront lip spice and it's not attacking, you know, the, your palate uh, from, from the first, like, you know, you're going to end up when, by the time you finish the cigar, you're going to go, okay, the Russian army just walked through my mouth in their socks. Uh I, I agree with some of those sentiments. The thing I, I really enjoyed about the Sergeant, especially over time too, is that richness didn't seem to dissipate too much. Um, that's from cool. my private collection. Um, the one that you're smoking now that I gifted you. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, it is probably, uh, I believe that box in particular is about, uh, about six or seven months old. Um, so it's got a little bit of time. Um, yeah. And it's, um, I, I found that I found that kind of coffee note that you're talking about, that espresso note to really, it really kind of, it, it, it alleviated the palate from that richness. It kind of really cut, kind of cut through. Um, I found there to yeah, be it's maybe nice mocha. It's maybe mocha, not even, uh, you know, so, so there's a little bit of creaminess in it that, that right. gives you that, that exactly, as you said, it cuts through the, the heaviness and, and, and provides some, um, counterbalance to the to the deeper uh the base notes of the uh of this it, it's this is this is a, a a beautifully made cigar it's uh the blend is uh again uh, you know my take is it's rich without being overpowering and that's you know a pleasure and as you sit here and burn it you know you just go i don't want this cigar to end I mean, that was the, my, one of my, we talked a little bit before in the green room, before the show started about show samples. And I, that was the cigar that I sampled at last year's trade show uh, mm -hmm. with uh, Luciano Mireles that I really enjoyed right off the show floor um, and was, uh, was very impressed with it. And I knew uh, 
I was going to enjoy that cigar for for months to come. Hopefully, it wasn't just a Vegas experience, and and it delivered yeah. consistently over the last over the last year a little bit. So, uh, good stuff there. Um, really, really enjoyed the Sergeant. So that comes in at number ten. My number nine cigar, which you had the opportunity to smoke uh, before tonight's show, we'll talk a little bit about your uh, your notes here in a second. But uh, I will paraphrase one thing. You call uh, upon your final uh, one of your final notations about it was that it was an old school style smoke, um, which I think it pretty aptly characterizes, although this is a new brand, uh, relatively speaking, uh, but it's made by a very trusted uh, factory uh, and respected factory in this world, and in particularly a country that you're very familiar with, the Dominican Republic. And it's made by La Aurora, uh, but the company it, uh, itself and the cigar itself is The Arrival by Ken Hamlin. The Robusto comes in at number nine. Um, and made by La Aurora, it's uh, a cigar that I've really, really enjoyed over the last year. Um, there not too much is disclosed about this cigar, um, other than the fact that it's a Nicar again Nicaraguan undisclosed wrapper over Dominican, Brazilian, and Nicaraguan tobaccos. There's no disclosure yeah. on the binder or anything like that. It's a five by fifty robusto, so traditional vitola for robusto. For so for you size uh, nerds out there, it does hold true to what a robusto really is at five by fifty. Robustos tend to be uh, vitolas that I tend to really enjoy. Uh, I, the Corona and Robusta are definitely my are definitely my go tos in most sizes and everything. Um, but uh, but really enjoyed this cigar. Um, but George, uh, I mean, I've got some of your notes pulled up, so we can harken back to it a little bit. But uh, what did you think, uh, kind of from start to finish on on the uh, the arrival, which was number well, nine. I thought I thought that it that it started out um, very very elegant, but not at all aggressive. In other words, it, it it took me a little while to actually warm up to the idea that this cigar was this um, mellow. Uh, It, it was backing away from spice. It was not. It was not going for you know grip your throat and and announce. And, and there were you know there are a lot of times that uh, that Dominican cigar makers in particular go down to Nicaragua and they're enamored with the power of the filler and they uh, they they produce these things which are you know bursts. And when you when you light them up, you're like whoa, you know. And it, 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 it's, it's a little bit overwhelming. And then the cigars usually settle down and you get more. But this cigar was just like it entered the room like a ghost, you know, uh, just sort of slid in there and started. And it got more interesting as I went, <coughs> excuse me, without ever taking a sharp turn or showing me something that was, um, you know, out of character. Uh, it just built, it was, a, it, to me, it was a really elegant smoke from start to finish. It did not, I, I think I might even have uh, uh, made some notes. I, I don't have them in front of me right now. I think I might've told you that, that it, that it, it didn't, um, it didn't wow me. It didn't knock my socks off at no point in there. Did I say, Oh my God, this is, you know, a revolutionary cigar or it's a flavor I've never tasted before, but it just kept delivering and it kept me engaged. And I got to the end of it and I went, wow, that was a really nice cigar. You know, it didn't, I, I didn't sit there and say, this is the best thing I've had uh, in, in months. And, and it didn't make me, uh, it didn't make me go, 
uh, uh, you know, how did they get this flavor? All I did was say this was a really, really well-made, well-balanced cigar. And to me, like I said, it was old school cigar making. It was all about depth, complexity and balance without being so. In other words, they were way off of the power register from a typical Nicaraguan cigar. Yeah, it it's you, you know, I think the one thing I really like about Laura Roar cigars um, over the years and everything are these these delicate nuances that you talked about. Like, I mean, that's I mean, not not trying to bastardize your commentary or anything there, George, but like, I mean, that's I mean, that's essentially what this cigar is to me as a, a specifically in this Vitola. You mentioned like in the second, third, that things were starting to percolate. Uh, you notice yeah. subtle notes of nuttiness mild finishes, uh, floral qualities that kind of edged into the palate. Uh, and they began to kind of challenge the other flavors from like the initial third that you smoked and were really enjoying. And I mean, they kind of beard my own experiences over the year, uh, you know, the year plus on this particular cigar. But furthermore, you were talking about the subtlety of it. I did try it in other Vitolas. And this was the one that I kept going back to because while it was still, while it was subtle and very enjoyable, I felt like that it it waned a little bit too much for my palate personally, as I got in larger Vitolas. Um, it just right. didn't. It just in didn't. other words, the balance didn't, the balance of the blend didn't show as well in other Vitolas. You did. It didn't deliver the entire uniform experience, right? It breaks down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A thousand percent. And that was, that was kind of consistent with my experience too. Like um, I really, um, there was one other thing too from from what you were saying about the the way that this finished again you called it this was an old school style smoke and i i i completely agreed with it i, I smiled with this this was the first cigar you tried out of the 10 that i sent you and uh mm -hmm. and um I, I i couldn't agree more with with your with your notes on it and i was really pleased that you enjoyed it uh, at the level that you did um Absolutely. um so um you but you called it subtle and surprising which uh, I, I definitely characterized it. I was, I was excited to try this cigar for the first time when I did. Um, I, and I was very, I was very pleasantly surprised. I wasn't looking for a powerhouse. It just, um, from La Aurora, you just, there's very, not that they're incapable of making powerhouses, but that's just not manual and Noah's. Yes. Like it's not his style. Yeah. It's not his style. It's not his bent. And, and he, so, so what I, again, what I felt was that the way the cigar set up and how the journey went along is that without ever doing anything that was like, whoa, where'd that come from? It just built into this cigar that I kept looking at and going, you know, wow, you know, it, it just, it, it kept delivering notes that I was engaged by. In other words, I wasn't bored. I never said, Okay, well, this was a good cigar. It's a nice way to start, you know, but it, but it, but it didn't uh, it didn't wow me and uh, you know on to the next kind of thing. It kept my attention. It kept me involved, and 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 I at, at the end of it, I had to look back and go, man, that was a beautifully made cigar that delivered a wonderful experience. And by the way, it's the kind of thing that uh, I think I might even have noted this. It's the kind of thing that you could share. Uh, without without concern, you know. In other words, you can turn somebody onto that cigar and say, "I don't care what kind of." Unless you're one of those guys that says every cigar has to be eight by eighty and it has to smack me in the face with spice, 
that it, that the 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 number nine cigar uh, was a uh, was a delight to uh, to smoke and and it was rewarding in every respect. And and you know, truthfully, you can't to use a certain company's uh, phrase or catchphrase. It was time well spent. That, that there was there was no moment that I regretted burning that heater. So now the Ember Eight cigar was a cigar that you uh, have not had yet. So it's it's one that you'll you'll be enjoying. Um, but so it's, it's a brand you're very familiar with, um, and this is a brand like much like we've talked about this year. Uh, you know, Pete and Tatsuwa having a banner year. This this company had a banner year last year. Uh, several uh, high profile releases. Uh, the green gained critical acclaim throughout the last couple of years. Um, and, but this was, I felt like was the unsung release of, uh, there was pretty much three big ones. Um, and uh, this particular company got a high ranking on this year's cigar aficionado list uh, with uh, the Rocky Patel 60 and Rocky Patel takes the number eight spot on my list uh, with another Robusto. Uh, the, Rocky Patel Disciple is yeah. my number eight cigar of the year. Robusto, again, five by 50, so true Robusto size. Um, hailing from the Tabacalera Via Cuba. Um, it's a Mexican San Andreas wrapper. The binder is Nicaraguan. Filler is Nicaraguan. Both undisclosed Nicaraguans. Uh, if, I if I had to guess, uh, there's definitely Esteli uh, Nicaraguan in there. I mean, it's pretty pretty prominent. You can taste it. Um, but I think the the sweetness uh, that kind of carries there's this nice caramel thing going on with it. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's probably some jalapa in it as well, if I had to guess. Um, but it is a five by fifty robusto. Uh, I get notes of raisin, black pepper, caramel. Uh, there's this really you you keep characterizing it as funk. Uh, yeah. That kind of I get a little bit of that hay barnyardness that kind of creeps into the middle of it with that earthiness that's not dangerous. but it jumps off it jumps off that that barnyardy funk jumps off the the cigar when you're when you're just smelling it like you pick up a cigar like this and and uh and and smell it and it's like i can't wait to like this i can't wait to fire this up it's it's beautiful and and unlike the arrival with the number nine like this was a cigar that i thought performed really well in uh the vitolas that were offered Again, this is indicative of why this is my list. I went, kept going back to the Robusto because it's a, it's a Vitola I really favor. So you can see my bias creeping in there um, yeah. with uh, with the fact that this is a Robusto. But I thought it performed really well in other Vitolas. Um, uh, unlike, I, I wouldn't say the arrival didn't perform well, but it just, provo like there was a, there was a larger gap in performance for that particular cigar. Um, this one uh, for me performed pretty well in all of its holes, but I kept going back and I smoked quite a few of these disciples over the last, uh, the last year or so. So it was a really enjoyable cigar. Uh, this is the second year in a row that Rocky's made my list. Um, and uh, I was about to ask you about that. So did you, you know, did you find yourself surprised that you had a Rocky cigar and you kept buying it and going, man, you know, this cigar has maintained its excellence. Um, I, w I have been, I've been really pleased with Rocky, but Rocky, Rocky stuff in the last couple of years. Um, I haven't always been a fan, of a lot of his cigars over the years. Um, I mean, I'll be completely honest there. Um, there's just, there were a couple of your stretches where stuff that he was producing and putting out just really wasn't hitting my palate. Um, you know, I really thought the decade 
is probably my favorite cigar uh, up until the last couple of years that he's made and has been really consistent by bar none. I've really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the prohibition uh, lines when they came out. Um, I thought those were really interesting cigars. I don't think he makes them anymore. The I know a cigar that he doesn't make anymore, at least I haven't seen, is the Decade Cameroon, which I thought was mm-hmm. exquisite. Um, I thought that was an incredible cigar, and it was, it was a shame when I couldn't find it anymore. But um, but yeah, over the years, he's his production is, for my palate personally, has kind of waned off and on. Um, but yeah, the last couple of years in particular, I've been really supr- pleasantly surprised and, and, and have enjoyed the cigars that he's been producing. So he comes in at the number eight spot uh we're going to take a break after the number seven cigar which is an, again another cigar that you had the opportunity to smoke um and just want to talk a little bit about this you you described it as a beautiful shape um which is it's a six and quarter by 46 so a grand corona is what the the size description that we've got a beautiful shape great top knot on the cap silky blonde wrapper around a solid bunch so both the hand and the eye appeal is there for you. So, um, and um, we're going to talk a little bit about your first impression here in a second, but we'll go ahead and announce it. So the number seven cigar of the year is from Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, and it is the Brulee Blue. So not the Brulee, but the Brulee Blue. Um, and it is the number seven cigar of the year for Ellis Fumar takes for 2022. Um Made in Nicaragua. It's uh, produced at the Fabrica de Tabacos Hoya de Nicaragua. Uh, the wrapper is Ecuadorian Connecticut. The binder is from Mexico. It's a Matacapa Negro uh, de Temporal. And the filler is undisclosed Nicaraguan, which is unusual for Steve. He usually <laughs> goes into quite a bit of detail on the tobaccos, but maybe wants to keep the recipe a little bit to himself. Yeah. Um, uh, six and a quarter, as I mentioned, by 46, uh, Grand Corona Vitola. Um, again, um, I, I, this is where, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I, I love the Sopra Mesa, the original release that he produced uh, when, he, when he formed this new company. Um, the Cervantes Fino is probably my favorite cigar that he makes or pretty damn close to it. Um, but... Um, I was not the biggest fan overall of the brew, the original brulee. Um, I, I smoke them still on occasion. Uh, I, I don't think they're, they're not terrible cigars. I don't hate them or anything like that, but it just, it hasn't hit my palate in a variable joy. Not the way that this did this, this one hit me um, differently in a way that I really enjoyed, but you had some original, uh, some unusual first impressions with it too, uh, which might give some people a slight chuckle, but uh but I thought you'd uh, talk a little bit about it because you got a um, you got a flavor note that a people let's just call it what it is got off of the original brulee. You you had this very this cloying sweetness that you got right off the cap. If if, I've, if, I'm, if I'm if I'm characterizing your words correctly, yeah, it it kind of surprised me. Uh, first of all, I I think I, I emphasized that I love the look of it. I love the feel. I love the size, and I was so excited to start smoking that cigar. And then something happened, and I was like, "What is this? You know, what what's uh, what's it doing?" And uh, it, it, you know, it ended up recovering, uh, but but it never um, that like the 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 cloying aspects uh, diminished. I don't think it, I, I think if I recall my notes on it, it never really went away. 
uh, fully, but it, 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 it dropped away and other things came forward. Um, <clears throat> it, it, correct me if I'm wrong in thinking about my notes and that I don't have them in front of me right now, uh, but, but didn't I say that, that I thought maybe it was a cigar a little bit out of time? Um, yeah. it was, it was not, uh, I, I, I thought that maybe I had encountered that particular example at a wrong point, not, not necessarily a dumb period because it wasn't, uh, there, it wasn't asleep there. It's not like there was nothing there. It's just that I don't think everything had come together the way it was intended. And, uh, the experience that I was getting out of it was like a little off kilter, you know, like there's one guy in the orchestra that's playing the wrong fucking song, you know, he's got the wrong <laughs> sheet music in front of him, you know, and everybody else is looking at him, you know, what are you doing, man? Uh, um, it was a little bit like going to a Faces concert back in the day, you know, uh, occasionally the rhythm section would be playing two different songs. Uh, but, you know, I, I, what I, my end result was, I hope that this, I hope that I got the wrong one at the wrong time and that the intent of the cigar, the experience that I was looking for when I saw it and held it in my hand and cut the top and, put it in my mouth, I was like, I was so ready for that to, to deliver me this kind of profile, this flavor combination that I wanted. And it was just not there. And I, and I kept saying to, you know, I, 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 in a way I kept making excuses for the cigar. At first I was like, is it me? Is there, am I, am I reacting to this wrong? Uh, but I just think that my particular example was somehow um, not working. And so I was disappointed by the experience that that example delivered me, but I knew in my heart what they were trying to accomplish. So I was, I was, and by the way, uh, I, I never put it down. You know, in other words, I didn't quit on it. I didn't go, ah, well, this is not working. Forget no. that. You know, I, 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 I rolled through uh, and, and, and let it try and, you know, build its personality and come out. And it, it got part way there. There were other things that happened in that cigar that I thought were uh, were, were were worthy. Uh, but the, all they did was say to me, "Man, if you get this cigar right at the right moment, it's going to be a delight." I, I, so I said, "Hey, you know, this is the kind of thing that if I had if I had bought a few." and lit one up and got that experience, I would bury them and say, I'm coming back to them in six months. Yeah. I, I really, I've really enjoyed this cigar over time. Specifically. I thought that uh, because I thought that the original brulee had this, uh, this, uh, some of this, like a little heavier sweetness on that wrapper than mm -hmm. I was normally accustomed to. I thought the brulee blue delivered, in a way that I thought the original blue brulee uh, for my particular palate, because I, I know that cigar is a monster for Steve, but it delivered in a way for me that I really enjoyed it. And I thought um, in a way it almost felt, per it felt like a personalized experience for me, <laughs> to be honest. Custom uh, made for your, yeah. for your flavor profile. Right. Cause I, I, I really like the complexity of it and you, and you noted a lot of complexity in the cigar too. And, and, and your, your closing words about the cigar was everything about this cigar has been unexpected, but certainly not yeah. disappointing were your words. And, uh, and uh, what I found really interesting was in the final third. And I got this too, is you had this, you, you, you described some very faint citrus notes that you picked up mm -hmm. almost like a lime. And I, I told you like a dehydrated lime dust. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Those were it was it was it was it was like this. It, it really it was wild. Again, like that was unexpected. I was like, where did that come from? And and I kept saying, you know, give me more of some of these things that are going on here. But they it it it, it couldn't. It, I don't know. You know, somebody wrote a book, and I think the chapters got put in the wrong order. Yeah, the uh, I, I really got that's interesting that you would characterize it as lime uh, or dehydrated lime dust. I found I found there to be a I find there to be a lime note too in the in the closing the closing end of this particular cigar, which for me has been really enjoyable because it really balanced to me it really balanced the creaminess and then in the middle of the cigar that's where the spice level kind of picked up for me. Uh, the retrohale was ex had a beautiful spicy note to it um, that I got, which was again not there in the original brulee for me um but i really really enjoyed this cigar um i thought steve did a phenomenal job with it really enjoyed smoking it quite a bit um had the opportunity actually to smoke the cigar while i interviewed him at uh at pca this year um and it it was a it was a great experience not just a great conversation with him but it was a great experience in general just because i love the i love the cigar so much and it, even after being because uh, we always interview steve on the last day of the trade so even after being in the vegas heat for several days it's it still for me still hit pretty well that morning so that was really it was really enjoyable and, and and continues to be an enjoyable cigar that i that i go back to quite a bit this uh this past year and 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 today in fact i had one a couple of days ago too so it was really 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 terrific so so that was our number seven cigar of the year so just to recap we have the luciano cigars the sergeant at number 10 uh, the Arrival by Ken Hamlin and made by La Aurora at number nine. The Rocky Patel Disciple, Robusto, um, at number um, eight. And then number, eight, seven, right. and number seven was the Dunbar Tobacco and Trust uh, Brulee Blue, which only comes in one Vitola, which is this this yeah. Grand Corona, six and a quarter by 46. So um, great, uh, great cigar so far. We'll uh, continue with uh, number uh, six here in just a few moments. But I wanted to go back to uh, a couple of things from your past here, George. Um, one of the things I was, I, I've just been intrigued by your your career overall in a lot of different ways. But like I mentioned at the very top of the show, you've been around for um, so many uh, pivotal moments in the cigar. And, and most people think, okay, so George was around for the boom. Yes, you were around for the boom uh, and you, you saw that. But there are several impactful moments that you talked about like that kind of supplanted and changed the course of the way that the cigar industry went and you one of those moments that you mentioned uh in a previous interview and i've heard you talk about it a couple of times was they were around about the same time that they came out these two legacy brands they've been around for decades almost uh, one for almost a century at that point but the opus x from arturo fuente and padron 1964 anniversary yeah. you talk about how the industry existed the way it did before and then after these two cigars kind of hit the market, um, just if you could expand on that, I thought that was an interesting observation because, I mean, I happen to agree. But and for people who've had those cigars, I mean, there's still some standouts today. I mean, they're kind of those iconic cigars that people smoke to this day. Um, but what did what did you mean by that observation? So I, I think that those cigars, which really did sort of emerge into the marketplace uh, within months of each other, not that they weren't um, well thought out and planned, but the timing to me was always um, intriguing because they, to me, 
they are paradigm shifts in the industry. Opus, Fuente Fuente Opus X changed the way the entire world perceives Dominican cigars, specifically because it proved that they could grow not just world-class uh, wrapper tobacco, but that they could grow wrapper tobacco that would make people say, no, 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 you, you smuggled this in from Cuba. This is not Dominican-grown tobacco. It, it, it blew people's palates wide open. They were like, I, I, I've never had a cigar. For, and, and remember, the Dominican Republic had a significant history before that with a lot of firsts and a lot of extraordinary accomplishments. But Fuente Fuente Opus X changed the way the world thinks about the Dominican Republic. And it, and it and up the ante in a way, because if you think about it, the, the, just a few years before, the, uh, you know, Davidoff had selected Hanky Kellner and Eladio at, uh, uh, you know, at, at, to produce the, the new generation of white labels. So the Dominican Republic, there's a, there's a little earthquake there. And then along comes Opus X and it just blows the top off everything. Turn around and from Nicaragua comes a cigar, which uh, it, it, it's, it's almost impossible to state the impact that it has on the entire cigar industry because Nicaragua goes from a place where there's a cigar of a certain personality that emerges, a certain kind of tobacco, and restores it to the greatness that they achieved when they took a step onto the world stage in the early 1970s with the original Oya de Nicaragua, which was at that time, and, and this is absolutely not an exaggeration, after their initial misstep, you know, there's a huge catastrophe. The original shipment of Oya de Nicaragua back when it was launched in the early 70s, they had packed all the cigars in the boxes while the lacquer was still wet. So when you got the cigars and opened them up, the, the cigars were all stuck to the box lids and the bottom of the box. Oh, my gosh. So the entire shipment had to be recalled. And they survived that. You know, most brands, something like that happens. It's never You're never going to lit it down. Uh, but they went on. The, the Oya de Nicaragua cigars, the original batch from Canadian Investments. So, you know, you, you got Oya de Nicaragua if you were a GBD customer and you got a cigar called Rosalones if you were a Hulk Aurora customer west of the Mississippi. Made in the same factory, the same blend, different packaging. People swore, oh, they're, they're different. No, it's the same fucking cigar. The rollers that are making it don't know what they're going to call it. But anyway, those cigars were the equal or better to any Cuban cigar that you could buy at that time. They were mind-blowing. They were, they were head and shoulders above all these other things because they were delivering a sweetness and a complexity and a degree of power that was unseen in any non-Havana cigar at that point. When Jose Orlando released the 1964, which was a commemoration of their 30th anniversary, three decades in the business, the cigar took and not that there was anything wrong. In fact, there was a lot to love about all the classic Padrones, which had been steadily building an audience for, for so long, but was really more regional in a way. You know, in other words, there were still wise guys in New York knew about it, you know, but, but it was it, 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 it hadn't bust out the same way. 
1964 said, we can make cigars in Nicaragua that rival the best cigars on the planet. No matter where you're from, no matter what you love, no matter what flavor profile you happen to think is your perfection, the, the Padron 1964, the, the, uh, the Anniversario, as they were called initially, was like, it was an announcement that there was something entirely new. And after that, the stampede starts in Nicaragua. Not that there weren't a lot of people making cigars there, not that there wasn't production, but there was a new level of achievement. And by the way, the best thing about it was that all these other people said, Holy shit, man, I buy tobacco from the farms that Jose Orlando does. I can make a cigar this good, you know? And, and it, the truth was, and, and this prevailed for some time, no offense to anybody else in the industry down there, but what Jose Orlando consistently proved was I can take the same tobacco and rework it and re-ferment it and then blend it and, uh, and rest it uh, to, to create a cigar that you can't touch. No matter what you do, no matter how you try and imitate me, no matter how you try and copy my shapes, my, my style, my flavor notes, anything else, you can't do what I can with tobacco. And boy, oh boy, was that uh, you know, a moment. All these people said, not only can we, but we will up our game to rival that kind of elegance and finesse and consistency. Because don't forget, to this day, there's no, if you walk in a cigar humidor and you want to see the, the hallmark, the absolute definition of consistency and reliability, it's a Padron cigar. No matter whether you choose classic Padrones, you know, a 3,000 or a 4,000, or uh, an Anniversario, uh, you know, like an uh, Ambassador, or, uh, or, or uh, a, a 1926, you know, which, again, ups the ante one more time, you know. He's like, oh, okay, so all you people in Nicaragua think you caught up to me? Boom, here's the 1926, top that. And then they come out with Family Reserve. It's like, So the fact that those two things happened so close together was like proof positive that there was something in the air about what was going on in the cigar world. The thing that I really like about that that story, George, and what's really incredible about it is you talk about how there was this 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 cosmic shift in yeah. what everyone thought was the standard, and these two companies yes. in particular completely upended them and they blew the roof off yeah they and blew then, the roof off literally and what padron did for nicaragua you know even though Hoya de nicaragua is an older company in nicaragua for example but what what padron did for nicaragua is it, it, it built on the it, it kind of stood on the shoulders of what hoya had done and 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 catapulted the industry and then and then you know the, the likes of people like perdomo jonathan drew and so mm -hmm. many others have turned Nicaragua into, you know, arguably, you know, the, the the greatest manufacturing country for the 
for what we call new world cigars, you know, outside of, outside of Cuba and everything. And um, I've really, you know, what I really like about both of these cigars in particular is how they're, they're almost, they're, they're even not just set apart from the standard, but they're also set apart in a way from their own, their own portfolios as well. Exactly right. And, and that's what the jewel in the crown. Yeah, the jewel in the crown. But, you know, it, it, just to go back to one thing that you said about Oye de Nicaragua, vis-a-vis Patron, don't forget that Oye de Nicaragua had been through a lot of struggles, a lot oh. of things that happened to them, uh, and not least of which was, you know, uh, American embargoes and, and, and the uh, capital investment flow and things like that. So, so, so the fact that Oye de Nicaragua has prevailed, has survived, has matured, has grown and competes, they're, they're doing things today that are every bit as creative and imaginative and distinctive as what they did in 1973. But the thing is, the world wasn't ready for it then, just like the world wasn't ready for Fuente Fuente Opus X when it, you know, just came screaming out of the, uh, out of the DR. And then you turn around and Nicaragua is like, oh, no, we're not just the place you go for power. We can deliver finesse and complexity and elegance and refinement and maturity. And, and, and as American consumers, we're the luckiest people on earth. You know, don't forget that, that, that through, you know, that, that, that people don't understand, uh, you know, the impact that a boom can have on any given industry. The pressure to create and to compete in an environment to, to, to grow your production and to meet demand on something that like a cigar, you know, it's not the same thing as saying, you know, we're going to get this China factory up so we can start making more Teslas and stuff like that. No, it's not the same thing. And it, it's just, you know, mind blowing. And, and by the way, the Padrones very slowly changed the formula of what was happening in the factory in order to sustain the excellence of 1964 to build up to the point where they could produce 1926. So they changed the mix of what was happening in the factory and they did it without ever diminishing any aspect of the quality of their portfolio. I'm telling you that they are, you know, they, they stuck to their guns in terms of this is the capacity that we have this is the tobacco that we have, and here's how we're going to allocate it. So each change in the line is going to represent a different level of maturity and usually a different uh, level of finesse about the, the, the personality of the flavor that they're delivering. So each step of the way revealed something new. And, and, and it was always like, oh, okay, so Nicaragua can do that? Well, we better get busy and see how we can come up to it. Listen, in, in my opinion, you don't get Nestor Placencia doing the things that he does to develop uh, something like uh, Alma Fuerte. You don't get Papine working to create the things that he does at My Father without what happened with Jose Orlando first. No, absolutely. And the thing that you mentioned, we since Horde Nicaragua came into this conversation too, like they were the one, they were the one company too that didn't that either weren't able to or didn't and survived the way that like Padron, for example, and George talked about this specifically in the, uh, the documentary, um, 
um, that uh, that Jesse Marriott and uh, uh, Steve did for uh, for and Pete produced and everything. Um, yeah, you did hand roll. Hand, hand roll. Hand Sorry, roll. I was I was having a brain. You were blanking on that. Yeah. So um, when he, when George was talking about how they pivoted, they went to Honduras during yeah. the embargo and were able to produce cigars, and they went down. They they. I mean, destroyed their production and not, not in terms of quality, in terms of capacity, they went down from making the five volume. Yeah. What they experienced, how, how, how they were crushed there was, uh, it, it, listen, most manufacturers would not have taken the route that Jose Orlando did. Uh, they would, uh, they, they would, they would have cut corners. They would have changed. Uh, they, you know, they would have made a lot of different decisions in the pivot so that they could continue to meet demand and figure that they would withstand what would happen when people would go, oh, this isn't a Padron. What the hell is going on here? Instead, they never missed a beat. Yeah. So five, as long as we're talking about one. that stuff, I'm going to light up this uh, because we're, we're, we're far enough away from number one that I can burn this for a little while. I'm lighting up this Rocky because after I smelled it, I was like, I got I to gotta burn this. Sounds good. We'll look forward to hearing some of your impressions. So while you're lighting that up, we'll uh, we'll actually go to one of our fun segments for the night, which has been our uh, United Cigar presidential segment. Uh, this has been a fantastic uh, segment for us. I really enjoyed it, just particularly because I love presidential trivia. So we're going to take a break uh, to talk a little bit about some presidential trivia here uh, before we go on to number six on the list. Uh, and this, of course, is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring La Giana Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. So smoke one today and start living united. Now, George, you have uh, the uh, great, uh, I would say the great privilege of, of living a stone's throw away from uh, our nation's capital uh, there in Virginia. And uh and uh, of course, uh, our nation's capital is named after our very first president, Mr. George Washington, which you happen to share the same first name. So there I thought this was really cool. But, um, you know, you know, George, over the last few years in the industry, I've I've had the opportunity and the privilege to get to know a lot of people who have n- named you specifically as a mentor, a father figure in a lot of ways. And and and. Um, and I'm sure that's quite humbling for you in a lot of ways to uh, the way that people speak about you with such reverence and myself included. I, you've been an incredible inspiration to me. Your the Draper dialogues um, were, you know, something that I aspire to. Um, and uh, in a lot of ways with these conversations that I have every week on LS Fumar takes, it's kind of uh, something that I've, I've kind of modeled a little bit after and everything. And uh so in, in, in a way, you could say that, you know, a lot of us are your, are your children <laughs> in in, uh, in different capacities and everything. So when we talk about the father of our country, George Washington, I wanted tonight's question revolves around children. So what how many children did George Washington have? This is multiple choice. A, zero. B, two stepchildren or three total children one stepchild and two biological children. So was it zero, two stepchildren, one biological and two stepchildren? How many children did George Washington have? I want to say it's C, the uh, the the stepchildren and, and one biological. 
It's pretty close. I hope it wasn't too much of a trick question. It's actually B. He didn't have any biological children of his own. Uh, there's not too much documentation around this. It was actually two yeah. stepchildren. He, uh, Martha had two children from a previous marriage, marriage. Um, that, uh, that, uh, that he raised as his own. Um, but um, George Washington experienced a lot of illnesses uh, during his, during his lifetime. I mean, he had, I mean, everything and, and they, like they said in a lot of ways, nothing could kill this guy. <laughs> you know, uh, he, his, in fact, his only trip out of the country um, was to Barbados where he got deathly ill. Um, yeah. And uh, he actually went there with his brother so that his brother could find some relief from some illness that he was experiencing. And uh, uh, his brother, unfortunately, uh, passed away. So, away. um, I mean, it's, it's, it's very tragic story in a lot of ways, but, um, um, but it's, it's unbelievable what this guy really, uh, with this guy, what the father of our country really experienced in a lot of ways, because I mean, just to say the fact that, um, he, he experienced uh, a lot of, like I said, some sickness, um, he I mean, gave his body up. He gave I mean, his body up. He really, I mean, he it. really did in a lot of wills. Like it, it's unbelievable. Like he had, growing up, he had diphtheria, tuberculosis, smallpox, malaria is what he contracted while he was in Barbados, dysentery. I mean, these are all. I mean, in the in the late in the mid to late 1700s, these are all things that would kill most people and did quite a bit. And did and did. That's the thing. And. And ultimately, and just, I mean, we talked about my illness earlier this year. I had double pneumonia. Pneumonia was ultimately what did take his, well, was the culprit that ended up taking his life. It was the, yeah. this treatment that really, that really took him down. Um, and uh, he actually even survived a near drowning in an ice clogged river too, mm -hmm. which is pretty crazy. <laughs> um, survived the burning uh, and massacre at Fort Necessity. Uh, two horses were shot down out from underneath him in battle. Out from under him, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, which, by the way, ended a lot of military careers because when your horse was shot out from under you, often you were pinned underneath. You broke your leg, and after that, you weren't fit for uh, command or service, really. Exactly. So, I mean, nothing. Uh, um, nothing could really. Nothing could really take down our former president except for old age it, it, and Nick Old. What is what is uh, Mike Tomlin's uh, Mike Tomlin's phrase? We don't die, we multiply. Uh, you know, he he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't go down. But I I think a lot of that was uh, due to the fact that uh, Washington, uh, uh, like Jefferson, uh, was a fan of French wine, uh, and you know George Washington was at one point. This is post presidency, but you know he was the largest distiller in the United States. In the, mm -hmm. in the in the colonies in those days yeah. and the rye revolution really that we're experiencing right now a lot of it stems from uh the the the, the people that were responsible for reviving what is distilled at mount vernon today and sells for great money for the cause you know sustaining what's happening there in other words the the the, the historical association around uh, mount vernon is the beneficiary of it but the rye that they are making there, according to uh, as close as they can get to the original recipe, which was uh, developed by um, a Scots guy, uh, uh, literally a Scotchman that, that Washington hired and brought to Mount Vernon as his distiller. Uh, 
um, there, the, the things that have happened there are, uh, were implemented by a number of people like my friend, late, my friend, the late Dave Pickrell, who was like the godfather of the Rye Revolution and in a bunch of things that, uh, that, that, that he worked out were stuff that he did in this old pot still at Mount Vernon. He he did a lot of agricultural work at Mount Vernon. You mentioned the the mm-hmm. distilling too, but what's really he's he's actually commonly uh, um, referenced as the creator of the mule, which is a breed yeah. between a donkey and a horse because yeah. he needed some kind of an animal to uh, to you know turn these crops. Farm animals, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and he he was an animal lover. That was the one thing too. So my my son, um, who's seven years old, um, loves George Washington, loves Abraham Lincoln, uh, and it just warms my heart uh, uh, to it. And one of his favorite books is about George Washington, and because he was an animal lover, this ty- this children's book is around his love for dogs specifically. He bred a lot of hunting mm-hmm. dogs, and he had yeah. uh, some terrific names for them over the years. His uh, his um um his most beloved animal actually accompanied him through most of the revolutionary war and was actually there and yeah. survived Valley Forge along with him that, that terrible winter, which was true love, which was the name of one of them. But he also had a dog named Venus. Sweet lips is my favorite of one of his dog's yeah. names. Uh, Vulcan, who, uh, as the story goes, uh, one holiday uh, stole a ham that Martha Washington had made uh, off the dinner table. Uh, and then he had another one, uh, another two dogs, um um drunkard which who could know how that actually happened but madam moose was one of his other talks so uh, i never heard madam moose that's pretty good yeah some some great some great names um uh, over the years and everything in fact uh you know uh he was actually gifted a uh um um a, a donkey i believe and who knows if that was the original donkey that that he bred to make a mule but i don't think so because it was later in his life uh the mark uh, marquis de lafayette um gifted him several dogs after the uh after the revolutionary war but the king of spain gifted him a uh a donkey and he named he named literally a royal gift which was the name of that that particular donkey so uh great animal lover great uh great uh father of our country and uh and the namesake for washington dc the 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 capital of our country which you live just outside of so um yeah now i i know you've lived all over the country uh george but how long have you lived in the uh the dc area well i was born uh and raised here i'm a native washingtonian and by that i mean actually born in dc Oh, wow. Most people that tell you, oh, I'm a Washingtonian, I go, oh, really? What part of Northern Virginia do you live in? <laughs> you know, or, or, or Montgomery County, or you know, forget it. If people say I'm a Washingtonian because they live somewhere around here. No, I'm a native. I was born here, and I was, uh, you know, I was in my 30s before I left to uh, move to New York to, uh, to launch Davidoff in the United States. Uh, so I was there from, uh, I was in New York from 87 to uh, about 2010. 2011, 20, 2010, 2011, when I came back to Washington, D.C. to, for family reasons, but to, but ended up going to work for Draper, and that's where the Draper Dialogue started to take shape. Uh, but, but I, uh, uh, so, I, you know, ever since then, I've, I've been back uh, a couple jaunts, a few other places, but for very short periods of time. I, I'm a, 
I love Washington. I love I love uh, many aspects about the town. It is um, to use the corny phrase that that uh, I think Jack uh, Kennedy is credited with uh, with with uh, dropping. It's a city of northern charm and southern efficiency, and in a way, that's absolutely true. But look, it's green, it's gracious. It's by the way, this is one of the only places uh, in the country where you can come and spend uh, as much time as you have to give to a visit uh, and walk in and out of museums free of charge the whole time you're here. And there are there are so many things to do in Washington, you know. There's a really vibrant theater scene here, which has you know struggled. It's had its ups and downs, but but tremendous things have have happened here. Uh, so you know, it, people think of Washington as a company town, and the only thing that occurs is politics. But we there are great distillers here. There are great breweries here. There's a tremendous uh, theater scene. Um, there, the, it, it's just it's lively in so many ways, but at the same time, it's very livable. You know, the scale of Washington. Never, DC never got to be what New York was, you know, in other words, in terms of uh, towering skyscrapers and everything. And that is, uh, that's an important mood, you know, in other words, as you go around Washington and you're, especially if you're in Northwest, you know, if you're federal Washington, you're looking at the scale of the buildings, they're very human sized. So you never feel dwarfed by them. You can feel enriched and you can feel inspired and they're, they're, they're beautiful, but Washington never overwhelms you. It, it listen restaurants shopping it, it, art uh industry yeah uh, yeah okay no you know we're not we're not making computers and uh, nobody's making automobiles here but but uh, uh you know the laws that enable businesses across the country to function and to thrive are all crafted right here this is a remarkable place and if you spend any time in washington you come away uh with the with with the sense of the of its many charms. It, it, one one thing that people don't, you know, it, it, it's not really evident because most people's experience with Washington is seeing it in the background on the nightly news broadcast. You know, it's a very green city, right? And 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 that's there are so many downtowns that have lost that. You know, they got away from parks and and and, and space that 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 is good for you physically and spiritually. Uh, Not to mention, we have great cigar stores here. It's one of the. Uh, it's it's shockingly, it's one of the cities that I haven't really uh, spent much time in, and it's something that I, I hope to rectify over the next few years. I, I, you know, as as my children get older, it's it's definitely a place that I want to visit and take them, just because of all all the things that you mentioned. But uh, it's it, it's it's the it's the greatest thing in the you know growing up here when you have access to all of it as you know your school field trips are going to all of the places that are the foundation of this nation uh it's it's uh it, it's so rewarding it's so for kids it's phenomenal it, it doesn't matter whether your kids are nerds or uh, uh or, or jocks uh, uh or, or or you know artists or something like that there is tremendously rewarding activity to do here, and it's really inspiring. It, it's phenomenal. 
That's awesome. Well, that was our United Presidential segment, Trivia segment brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Van, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. George, as we get back into this list, uh, this was a number six was actually another cigar that you hadn't had the opportunity to try yet, right. but, um, and it's, uh, it's the largest, uh, not engaged, but it's the largest uh, cigar in terms of length uh, out of the top 10 and everything. And it's a very, uh, it's a, it's, it's a blend that's actually been on the market for quite some time. Um, and from, from a very small boutique company that I've come to enjoy. And this is a blend that I've enjoyed over the years. So when they expanded, this particular line, I was really pleased by it, and it actually delivered, which was the per- perfect, uh, you know, perfect combination. So uh, the number six uh, cigar of the year uh, for um, Elos Fumar takes it comes from Crux Cigars, and it is the Bull and Bear Double Corona, and uh, it's a, a Habana wrapper. Um, from Jalapa in Nicaragua, and it's a Nicaraguan Pura, so the binders and fillers are all from Nicaragua. Uh, it's a blend that I've, like I said, I've really enjoyed over the years. It's this particular Vitola for me really hit. I thought we've talked a lot about like smoke temperature and everything like that. One of the cigars, especially with the bigger gauge, I mean, it's not as big as the 58, the, the Sergeant, but it is a 54, 7 by 54. And what I really appreciated about the cigar is just how smooth and cold and cool the smoke is. Uh, but it does it impart so much flavor still. That Jalapa wrapper has beautiful sweetness to it. Um, I really like the spice components that really blend. Um, you mentioned this in describing another cigar, so I don't really want to steal it from you, but it, it you described another cigar perfectly with the way that I describe it, which is the, the bakery is open. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of baking spices throughout the cigar that, that meld and change and throughout the diff- the smoking experience in a way that really captures my attention and is just a really, really enjoyable smoke. So uh, the number six cigar of the year is the Crux Bull and Bear Double Corona, uh, seven by 54. So that is it's a beautiful... Cigar. It's a beautiful looking cigar, and if you pick one up and look at it, it's it's going to be impossible to resist. Uh, you know, you want to cut it and light it and smoke it right away. So I would urge everybody. I mean, I haven't smoked it yet. I'm hoping that it delivers everything that the look and feel and smell promises. But I would urge people go out and grab those because they are badass. It's a it's a really it's a that's a commanding stick. It's also obviously. By virtue of its size, the the vitola itself is like that's a commitment. You need to you need to sit down and uh, and 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 fix your wig and straighten your girdle. You know that's a cigar you're going to have to you know you 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 got to do battle with it. Definitely. So the uh, the number uh, George, can you hear me still? George. George, can you hear me okay? 
So we wait for uh, George's uh, George's internet to cooperate here. So just want to go. Uh, it it we... just broke up. It just broke up. I'm sorry, but you're back. Uh, it, so you're at the number five cigar. Yes, sir. Number five cigar. So um, so for those of you who haven't picked up, George has been showing off these cigars that I've been sending him. They're without label. And so if that wasn't picked up at the really part of this of the show, I sent these cigars blind to him. Um, so he has had the opportunity to smoke several of them without you know, any bias or impression um, and was able to really enjoy the cigar for what they were. And so all these, all these notes that we've been talking about are completely is unbiased. They're just all about his smoking experience. Yeah, exactly. This, this cigar is the lone exception to that just because of the nature of, of one of the things, which we'll talk about here in a second with another cigar that you actually had a pretty nice hand in uh, its history. Uh, as we talk a little bit more about your career on our next break. Uh, but this is our number five cigar of the year. And it comes from a company that I've, I've been a fan of um, since it it uh, kind of burst onto the scene. And uh, yeah. um, you kind of chuckled about it as uh, when you were smoking it, uh, that we had no idea how, you know, that what, it, what it was. Of course, you knew what it was once you saw it. I did take the label off, but you can't take away. Uh, the iconic uh, gold diamond that sits atop of it. So uh, the number five cigar of the year is the Cavalier of Geneva, Geneva, excuse me, uh, B2 Jalapa Viso Robusto Grande is my number five cigar of the year. Um, Coming out of the Fabrica Centro Americana de Tabacos, uh, the wrapper is also Jalapa, so similar to the uh, yeah. the Bull and Bear uh, from Nicaragua. The binder is also Nicaraguan, too. It's a, it's a Habano. And the filler is also Nicaraguan Habano, too. So even though it's manufactured in Honduras, uh, it's a Nicaraguan Puro. Uh, five inches by 54 Robusto uh, Gordo is the official Vitola name, but is called the Robusto Grande. And, uh, um, and it's... A fantastic cigar that I've really, really enjoyed. This was a blend that, again, I really enjoyed almost uh, pretty much all the Vitolas that it came out in, and it comes in at my number five cigar of the year. This was, I'll, I'll tell you, um, this was probably one of, I, I actually, I know for a fact, this was one of Coop's uh, predictions uh, to land in my top three this year. So he's just off by a couple, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry, Coop. Um, but <laughs> uh, you had some impressions from it uh, initially that I thought were, that I thought were interesting. Um, and just, I mean, um, I'll bring up a couple of your, uh, your couple of your notes, uh, specifically from some of, but, uh, what, uh, what were some of, I mean, you knew, unfortunately you knew what it was just by the, uh, the iconic, uh, gold leaf that sits atop of it. But, uh, um, other than that, <laughs> and I told you that I, I, I told you that I, yeah, I was trying to, you know, to, to smoke it without really thinking about, you know, the legacy or the, or, 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 or anything that, you know, in other words, I was, I was really trying to just say, what is this cigar doing for me? What's happening? It's interesting that you, you know, you're making the comparison. You're saying, noting that it's the same wrapper technically as the, uh, the, the crux, but it's a darker, uh, uh, oily or almost I, w- I was going to call it greasy uh it, it's got this uh it, it's got this almost uh evil looking uh you know powerful uh the, 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 when you see the cigar it's like oh man i can't wait to dig into this. this is what i used to call a meat and potato cigar you know in other words it's like you know it's going to give you uh uh depth you know that it's going to deliver you uh body and i don't think this cigar failed uh, it was um, a little bit roasty. Uh, there were some meaty aspects to it. It was really, 
to be honest, uh, it did the same thing in a way. There were a number of aspects of the cigar that surprised me as I smoked it. I did have, I did have a, uh, as I recall, I did have a couple burn issues with it, but I, I, I just, I love the, 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 it was, it was one of those cigars, you know, as you're getting to the end, you're sitting there going, you know, I wouldn't mind if there were another couple of inches. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there's some other Vitolas in it. This one particularly warm to me just because again, in close to that Robusto format, they do make a, a Robusto, like a more traditional size Robusto. Yeah. Um, Classic uh, yeah, four and seven eights by like 48 or 50. Yeah, the 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 uh, this one particularly I really enjoyed just because it, it it was a little bit more of a denser smoke. You mentioned the wrapper; it's it, it is darker than the the Jalapa wrapper on the Crux Bull and Bear. Uh, oily, and it's very oily. It's very rustic. Uh, yeah. You even noted how it, I mean it just it, you know it was a little bit rough. It's it rough, was a yeah. little bit rough, you know. Well, and a tough was, looking it, little sucker was your words. Tough exactly, looking Exactly, precisely. It was like uh, you were giving you and me, we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do combat here. We're gonna roll. The uh the cold draw, which was interesting, and I didn't get this out of all the times that I've smoked it, and I was really interested. I I I, I after you sent me this these notes, I, I lit up another one and I, I still didn't get it, but you said that the cold draw had this confusing, almost gently, gentle, perfumey quality to it um, that kind of blossomed into something uh, a little bit more uh, used artificial property. Uh, it was a complete disconnect. I could not figure out. I, I was expecting one thing when I cut the cigar and put it in my mouth and I got, I was like, wait a minute, what is this? And it, it, it went in the beginning, in the early stages of the cigar, I kept saying, "What, what's going on here?" You know, because it it was like setting up, and it turned into something very different. I was, uh, you know, I was surprised. Yeah, I, I the I, I've enjoyed a lot of Cavalier Geneva cigars and everything. They're mm -hmm. uh, they're um, their white label is in, is incredibly good. I really like the uh, the 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 black the b2s uh oh normally this this one really captivated me just because i again i'm i find over the years that I've, I've kind of really leaned towards again when it's well done uh jalapa tobacco i really like the sweetness okay. from the nicaraguan uh, tobacco region that's that's kind of indicative of that particular region those particular leaves and um but i wouldn't describe this cigar as sweet i don't think it has a lot of sweet qualities no. to it it's very you know uh -huh. no very uh there's there's some nice, especially there's some nice spiciness to it. Really like that kind of that pepperiness. But um, again, the oils on this particular cigar just kind of really kind of sing through for me. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I did, I, I, I have noted too that this cigar, that it tends to smoke better right off the shelf. Um, yeah. you know, I, you know, I've had some of these put away for a little bit and I've been smoking them with some age on it. So six months plus a little bit. And I find the cigar personally, uh, hasn't, uh, doesn't smoke as good as it does right off the shelf, which is usually opposite for me. I, I love aging experimentation as my, you know, my audience knows. And so this is one of those rare cigars. I would say out of all of my top 10, that this is a cigar you want to smoke as, as much as possible as quickly as possible you don't want to put these away at least in my experience i'm i'm i am putting some away because i want to see what more time does to it to see uh, I'm, you hit it, it right there i i'm telling you that i believe that this is one of those cigars that has like a reverse bell jar 
they are terrific out of the box because they have this bright and brash quality and there's something going on. But I believe if you sit on, like, for instance, if we were to revisit this cigar next year at this time, the ones that, that you have now, not something that you bought later on, but you let them sit. I think that they go through a valley and they come out on the other side and they are something entirely different and they're, they're deeper uh, and and maybe um, maybe what that process is is a, is a little bit of a mystery. But I have one thousand percent confidence that if you let them sit long enough and return to them in your humidor, they'll deliver you something. Now you might say, "Wow, this is really a different experience. This is not the flavor that I associate with this company and these brands." When I pick these up, I expect X, and I'm getting not just Y. Maybe I'm getting Z. But it will be, I guarantee it'll be rewarding. Absolutely. So I'm, 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 I'm pleased that uh, you kind of see the potential in it too. Like I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm putting some back. I want to see what more age does to it about, about the six month mark for me. It's, it's, you can kind of start to notice where it dips. I'm going to see if it comes back. Like you said, this, the, with this bell jar mentality a little bit to it. Um, you. So a lot of people have been joining us late throughout this broadcast, and I know uh, people who are probably listening to it later will wonder, like, just to play catch up. So we are at the halfway point. That number five uh, cigar of the year is the uh, uh, Cavalier of Geneva, Cavalier. Um, B2 Jalapa Visa Robusto Grande. Number six was the Crux Bull and Bear uh, Double Corona. Uh, the number seven cigar was the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Brulee Blue. Number eight was Rocky Patel Disciple Robusto. Uh, number nine was the arrival by Ken Hamlin, produced by La Aurora, the Robusto. And uh, number 10 was the Luciano Cigars, the Sergeant. Uh, so that is the first uh, half of my top 10 list. Uh, we also had some honorable mentions. You guys can rewind and, and listen to those. Uh, but we're in the we're into the uh, the meat of the top ten list. We're going to do our number four cigar of the year right now. Uh, this was another cigar that you had the opportunity to smoke. And um, George, I, I am I'm sending you some more of these because I hope that your experience was uh, was was it was, a out, was, was a, yeah, wrong. Was an outlier because you. Uh, uh, I mean, just to put it lightly, you didn't, you didn't, this is probably your least favorite out of the ones you've smoked of the top 10. And, and that's okay. You, there was one that's going to be yeah. on the bottom, um, but it is my number four cigar, which you uh, just didn't have. We'll go into your experience here in a second. But for me, my number four cigar of the year was probably my biggest surprise uh, over the course of the last 18 months in terms of my first impression from my first impression of it and how it's smoked consistently over the time. Unfortunately, like I said, you didn't have uh, the best experience with it. I'm going to be sending you some more. Hopefully uh, you can have a similar experience that I had too. But uh, my number four cigar of the year uh, is from Howard G. Cigars. It is the Howard G. Magic Stick Cameroon Toro. Uh, it is a five by, uh, excuse me, a six inch by 50 gauge Toro. The wrapper is Cameroon. Binder is Nicaraguan Habano and filler is Nicaraguan Habano as well. It's manufactured by American Caribbean. Um, and uh, the owner of the brand is uh, Howard Gums Jr. Um, I've had the opportunity to interview Howard, uh, just an unbelievable uh, personality, uh, one of my favorite people in the biz. And this is the cigar that kind of started our relationship. Uh, 
and because I mean, from the my first experience with it, I'm so sorry you had the opposite. We'll talk about your impressions here in a second, George. But from my first light of this particular cigar, I was I was completely blown away. And our good friend Will Cooper actually witnessed the first time that I lit the cigar. It was actually after a show that we had done together. I I had it, I cut it, and I lit it. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Uh, Because I could not believe the impression that I had. It was just absolutely. for me, it was it was a mind blowing, very unique experience, not indicative of a Cameroon. Um, and I've had Cameroon uh, cigars, obviously, which I smoke Fuente and a lot of other. Cam- there are other Cameroons other than Fuente, but the Fuente is probably the most popular one for it. And uh, I just I absolutely adore the smoke. Uh, and uh, it's it's been a it's been a constant for me that I've smoked quite a bit over over the last uh, the last year and a half. So uh, it's my number four cigar of the year. But you unfortunately had a different experience. I'd like again, despite despite the experience that you had, I'd like to share some of your thoughts about it, uh, just because I thought you know from an educational perspective, I thought they were pretty interesting. Because um, you um, you talked about the wrapper in 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 terms of. Some of the other cigars that you had sampled up until this point, you, you notated how the, the the wrapper was quite beautiful and and everything. But this this one had a different uh, a different impression for you. That found that the muddy color um, kind of took away from uh, the, the natural beauty of the tobacco and everything. And and uh, uh, the the cold draw was it had some uh, herbal sweet notes that you notated that you liked. Um, and you liked uh, some of the initial flavors on the cold drop, but then you lit it, and then that's that's when that's when your impression, unfortunately, went down. So if you want to talk about Out the that. window, well, so I, I think what I said was it was a dull, uninteresting wrapper. By the way, uh, I'd I'd love to uh, at some point find out if, in fact, this is uh, Cameroon grown uh, in Ecuador as opposed to uh, authentic African Cameroon. Uh, because I thought that there, there, there was there, there was a, a, some odd qualities to the uh, to to some of the the taste notes that I was getting from it, but it was it was just uh, disconnected. Uh, I, I was I was disappointed by what was happening with the cigar, and I, and and by the way, I, I I noted to you that that I kept going, I, I kept waiting for something to happen. I wanted it to turn a corner. I, I thought that there were some initial notes. Uh, that I was excited by, and then they completely vanished. And I was like, okay, is any of that going to come back? What's going to change? Is this going to evolve? And it kept sort of breaking down. It just got, you know, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of the things that I wrote to you in the end was uh, in the final third of the cigar, uh, even though I was there and I had waited patiently and everything, Nothing much happened except that the burn deteriorated. It broke down. You know, it didn't. Uh, it got a biggish blister, and and it, it just it it didn't deliver. So, listen, I, I, I'm I don't I don't believe that our tastes are so wide apart that a cigar that you have ranked that highly is just a complete bust for me. So I think that there's something going on there that was um, off. And, you know, that's what happens with the things that we love. These unique, uh, remarkable efforts to combine these materials and in new ways, you know. In other words, these guys, these people are trying to do things that are original. They're not trying to be like, you know, I'm going to make a Fuente cigar or I'm going to make a Padron cigar. No, they're trying to do something. I respect that. I love that. I don't want to criticize any cigar maker for their efforts. 
But when I see something that's unsuccessful and I'm thinking, wow, you know, there's there's something here, but it's not working. I want to go back and find out is it is it the way the tobacco was fermented. I, I, one maybe one other thing that I noted for you in this, if if, if you can correct me if I'm uh, misremembering, but I said that I thought that there was actually some tobacco that was improperly fermented. I think that there is a component leaf in this blend that uh, turned in the bulk, and and it, and it's uh, it gives a little bit of a rancid uh, top note, and I just think that that uh, that the cigar couldn't recover from the presence of that flavor and that quality, and I was like, well, it's, it's really it's off, and it just sort of went down the drain from there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, uh, considering this was your experience with it, George, uh, I mean, hats off to you for for suffering through it for some more, trying to trying to see if it would recover and everything. I mean, you're you're. A I waited. <laughs> I was. I took that baby down. I, I did not give up. I wanted. I wanted something to happen. I literally wanted the cigar to wake up and and come forward and say, "No, here's what I was trying to say before," but it never happened. Yeah, the uh, you did note the one the one positive in the experience that you had was the uh, the the burn temperature was nice. You said that the burn was really lovely. The ash was uh, white as snow, which is indicative of my experience as well. It's a beautiful white ash that comes Absolutely. off the cigar. It's beautiful. Um, like I said, it's it from my first experience and the experiences that I've had so on with it and why it's ranked so highly for me is just the the right from the get it it usually it again for me it's just always been a, a it was just such a beautiful pleasant surprise when i lit that cigar for the first time and, and this is a, one of the cigar i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt no 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 it's fine uh but go yeah go ahead this is one of the cigars you've smoked a lot you that you, you you because you liked it so much you've interacted with this a lot so it it, it just you know it goes towards uh my thinking that i must have had uh you know the, the 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 rare mistake lurking amongst the uh, control batch. Well, and this is a cigar that uh, that I've gifted quite a bit to. In fact, uh, uh, Jay Davis, who's watching right now too, uh, this is one. This is a cigar that I gave him at the PCA trade show, and uh, he was like, "Well, you're kind of playing to the crowd, aren't you?" Because he's a big Cameroon lover. And I said, "Well, I think it's mm -hmm. going to be a different experience for you." And and, and I don't want to put words in Jay's mouth, but I, he, I, I know he enjoys it um too so I, I know it's delivered for other folks as well and uh i'm definitely gonna get you some more and and uh and if if they if the experience uh, tends to duplicate for you feel free to just throw them out they're, they're on me <laughs> but i really want you to have uh, well but to be honest i really i look forward to experiencing uh, uh that and find out if it is actually that you know the that there was something wrong with the cigar that i had and that we're not that far apart you know in other words that a cigar that you rate and rank and believe in that highly is worthy i'm sure it is i'm absolutely sure it is but it also may be that the flavor profile that they were trying to hit this combination of the elements isn't to my liking that's entirely possible that's when it comes job. to cameroon tobacco i'm a horrible snob <laughs> I, I love it it's one of my favorite tobaccos in the world, bar none. But when it's not right, it misbehaves. It's such a it's such a finicky tobacco. I found it too. I mean, because it, again, it when it's when it's finished product, it's so thin, it's so brittle. 
Um, and again, it, it's, but when it's done correctly, that tobacco can be so rich and elegant. There's so, there's some fine qualities to Cameroon, but that magic and it plays nice with practically any tobacco in the world. Exactly. But when I found when I've, cause I have had blends with Cameroon tobacco that have just not, they've not worked. They haven't yeah. tangoed together. Exactly. Um, so does not, will not, does not play nice. And, uh, and, and so God bless him for striving for something. And I, I, I love the idea of being able to revisit it and find out if I was wrong or I got the bad. So we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in that and come back to it. Absolutely. So speaking of the coming back to, it, we'll come back to the rest of the conclusion of this list. I wanted to revisit, uh, uh, kind of pick up our conversation a little bit of what we were talking about. And, and, and throughout this show tonight, George, and throughout every interview that you've been a part of and thing, I think that if anyone's had the opportunity to listen to you speak before, been to a number of your seminars or, you know, have read any of your articles when your time with Cigar Aficionado, know that you're an incredible, incredible resource for when it comes to cigars and tobacco. Uh, you have a real passion for education that's obvious and clear. Um, and, you know, you know, Cigar Aficionado has been around for, uh, you know, coming up on, you know, three decades of, of you know, publication and everything. So they can't archive everything. And, and, and you wrote extensively for them for a while. But one of, this, one of the articles, if you go back to their website, one of the articles that they keep on hand is a cigar, is an article that you penned all the way back in the uh, summer of 1993, yeah, and it's uh, learning your ABCs, Cigar 101, yeah. and and it, I I I really enjoy going back to this piece, not specifically because again I know the extent of your knowledge and everything is so deep and wide that it's really nice to hear from someone of your caliber or knowledge, kind of break down some of the basics. Uh, in the way that you do. And this article specifically talks a lot about color, you know, uh, you know, from, we're talking about from Claro, Claro, Colorado, yeah. natural Maduro, et cetera, explaining the difference between Maduro and Oscuro, which is, there is a difference. A lot of people don't realize yeah. that. Um, and some other key aspects and basics of it, you know, uh, the sizes, you know, we've been talking a lot about sizes tonight, because again, this is yeah. Vitola specific on my list. Um, and it, what I thought was really cool is that now we're, this, this this article was was done 30 years ago yeah. how a lot of these things while a lot of the industry has changed in those 30 years some things have stayed the same i you yeah. still see these vitolas on the shelf you still see pyramids and bellicosos and torpedoes diademas perfectos you still see robustos lonsdales panatella you don't see as much anymore i know that was a little bit more popular in the early 90s and, and before yeah and Lanceros, Lanceros and Lonsdales are almost gone. They're a specialty thing now. Mm -hmm. You know, Lance, the, and it's unfortunate because, you know, the Lanceros don't get produced because as the famous quotation, they don't sell, uh, right. which exactly. is, which is sad. Which we um, know is not true, but, but it, it, it takes some, uh, what we say in the, in the trade is a Lancero is always a hand sell, right? In other words, you have to walk somebody through why they should experiment it. But think about it right now. You know, there's there's genius Oliva V Lanceros in the market. Pete has continued to produce. You know, uh, uh, the, the, there are there are remarkable Lanceros that you can buy if you know to look for them. And there are stores that have developed clientele for them. 
but it is a, a little bit of a forgotten, uh, it's a neglected, you know, especially as the obesity epidemic has overtaken the cigar industry, uh, you know, skinny ring gauge cigars fall down. People look at Coronas now and go, oh, that little thing, what could it do? But a Corona is where the personality of the cigar is built and crafted. Indeed. The, so it's, this is a- By the way, thank you. you. You're very kind. I appreciate all the things that you said. I don't mean to just sit here and say, oh yeah, bring it on, bring it on. No, <laughs> I, I, you're, you're very, very kind and I appreciate it. But I, it, it, it is true that I've dedicated a lot of my life to, you know, preaching the gospel of fine cigars and, and trying to share what the nature of the pleasure is and make people just a little bit better at having confidence in their own taste buds. And because the beauty of the cigar market, the, the cigar world that we live in today is this enormous breadth. We live in the golden age of cigars. There are more great cigars available to walk into. You know, it used to be if you walked in a cigar humidor, you know, you could go and say, okay, so here's the three best cigars that are in here and everything else is second rate by comparison. And then down there on the, on the lower shelves are the bargain bin, uh, you know, and what they used to call seconds and stuff like that. Uh, it, we, there is an embarrassment of riches in any good, well-run cigar shop. It's it's extraordinary the things that are available to smoke right now, and they're unimaginable from you know fifty years ago when I started. You know, and speaking of unimaginable, like and 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 Vitolas specifically, you know, this isn't necessarily Vitola, but you were you were very much present and very much a huge influence on uh, an individual who's uh, was a profound influence and, and reason to why I'm here today. Uh, in cigars, uh, he he manufactured the the I would say the first you know boutique at the time premium cigar um, that I really enjoyed outside of you know like my first premium cigar was a Fonseca you know I had some Romeo and Julietas but my first yeah. venture into a cigar shop I was handed a La Flor Dominicana and yeah. um, the of course the iconic uh, the chisel. The chisel, the iconic, uh, it's not even a size, it's a, it's a technique that's, that's yeah. made, then they've used the chisel on, uh, and that's why it's not a size, on, on very, on varied Vitolas throughout the years, varied blends, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's, it's a trademark, obviously, which is uh, the topic of what I wanted to bring up here, George, because you, you're very familiar with the story, because uh, you are part of the story, so I thought it would be really yeah. cool for you to share uh, your relationship with Lido and the uh, chisel, as it were, and how it uh, how it came to be, and how we see it every day on our shelves in our local uh, cigar stores. First of all, Lido is a sponge. That guy is absolutely amazing. He loves. He he he's, he just never stops learning. He never stops thinking, and he never stops applying critical analysis to you know the challenges that are in front of him. Whether it's being becoming a farmer and growing his own tobacco, learning uh, how to optimize what happens in a factory, uh, the art of blending. He, he's got a, a a brilliant palette. But I, I'll tell you. So we were we were visiting uh in in Santiago, and we went to uh, Lido's the. The, the factory, what is now La Flor Dominicana, uh, um, you know, it, the original factory was a, was a different operation in a different location. But when he built his new factory, I was just so wowed. I was like, this place is beautiful. It's a temple to find cigars. 
but I was visiting him one time uh, uh, with a friend uh, and, 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 and trying to coach him in, in the right decisions to make in developing a, a cigar project. And Lido, uh, completely unrelated to what we were there to evaluate and to test, Lido had a bunch of cigars on his desk. And I looked at him and I said, man, what is that? And he pulls up this shape and he goes, well, you know, I got the guys in the factory trying to make this. It, 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 it's, I can't, it, we're not quite there yet, but I, I, I told these guys, you know, I, I go around in my truck and I'm driving from the farm to the factory and here and there, you know, to do all these things. And I've always got my cigar and I chew on it. And then I look at it and it's come, it's down flat, you know, it makes this shape. So uh, I said, why don't we have the guys make this shape? So it'll be, you know, it'll be comfortable. I can hold it. You know, I don't have to get the cigar to that shape. It's going to come out of the, you know, out of the box that way. And he goes, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I don't know what I'm going to call it. And I looked at it and I, I picked it up off his desk. I had one right in my hand. I'm, I'm rolling it around. And I said, it's a chisel. And he goes, what? And I said, yes, yeah, it's a chisel. And I said, that's the, you, you should call it that because it didn't. It, 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 the word chisel is the same in English and Spanish and everywhere else. You know, it's like it's universally recognizable. That's what it is. Look at the shape. It's a tool. It's the chisel. And, and he's like, oh, my God. And then we went on to, you know, uh, like the uh, originally it was about how you would cut it. You know, they, we, we used to take a punch and go in the top half of it and have the smoke be directed away from your tongue. Uh, and then eventually uh, we, we we evolved to the what we call the chisel pitch, which is to me. The, the beauty, you know, a great cigar. It's like you pick up, for instance, a Lancero, and it's got that beautiful pigtail on the top. If it's made, you know, in someplace like Cuba or a factory that uh, aspires to that kind of style, and it's got this gorgeous little pigtail, and just give it a little twist and put it in your mouth, and away you go. A chisel, you just take the cigar, squeeze the sides just like that, and boop, the cap pops open, and now you can smoke. All you need is a match and your chisel. Squeeze, boom, light. It's magic. And it draws perfectly. That's the genius of the construction. The cigar, you would think looking at it, there's no way this is going to draw and it's not going to perform the way a cigar should. You know, for 500 years, we've been making cigars with rounded heads and maybe they're a slightly box pressed, you know, but it has to be this way. No, it doesn't because that's how the cigar ends up in your mouth. That's, mm -hmm. It's so typical of Lido. That, that he was like, well, if a cigar ends up like this, why can't we start out that way and have it work? <laughs> I just love it. Well, it's 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 great, too, because you talk about the smoking experience of it. And I've always when I was selling it in humidors, when I was working retail, is I would say as the smoking experiences you're having, you naturally are going to be biting down on which is starting to close it off. The oil start to compact. But what's great about it, if if you turn it on its side. By natural, by back down, it basically opens back up, and you can enjoy yeah. the cigar for what it is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what happens to the cigar; you can correct it with your fingers. Yes, I the the only the the only blend that this cigar uh, style that didn't work for me initially, but yeah. it was my it was it totally I totally take responsibility for as user error is the Capitolia dos, which is the the uh, the successor to the Chapter One, which I think is a phenomenal cigar. It's one of my favorites of all time. Chapter uh, One is one of the greatest things he's ever made, and and you're what you're saying is that the the second version, the second iteration, didn't perform right for you. It didn't work right. Well, for me, what happened was is I got towards the end. My this was my couple of my first experiences with smoking that blend was it burned really hot, got really better 
and I just mm-hmm. wasn't enjoying it. I thought it was an enjoyable smoke up until that point. Just the end just didn't perform like other chisels I had in other blends. And I realized that I was, because I was enjoying it so much, I was smoking it too fast. So I slowed down yeah. considerably. And since then I've enjoyed Cavatoya Dosa's much more and they've performed quite well it's just a matter of the only thing i have to say about that cigar and that specific blend is you better watch out because if you're not paying attention it will kick your ass Mm -hmm. that is a cigar that sneaks up on you and snatches your soul it's very very sneaky you smoke one of those and sit there and 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 go oh wow this is really good and then you go oh i gotta get up and oh no i think i'll sit back down (laughs) (laughs) It's like the uh, uh, my, that sounds like my first experience with the NAS. <laughs> to be yeah, <laughs> my first, yeah. I was like, oh, this isn't that bad, and then I was trying yeah. to stand up. And he like, stood oh, up okay. and it's like, oh yeah, exactly. Let me rethink that. It, it's it, it's interesting too because like you, you mentioned at the very top of the show, just experiences with cigar when you one of your worst experiences smoking too, um, but like that hap- that happens to me every time this is a cigar that i really enjoy but i have to watch it and i have to smoke it slowly otherwise it bizarrely just the the chemical makeup of it is weird and it's you would think oh it's a heavy cigar that bears about to name and it's not it's the 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 original hoya de monterey excalibur the yeah. the natural the claro and that cigar for whatever reason the tobacco's in it the way it's i don't know but it if i smoke it too quickly it gives me that that tobacco buzz in a really weird way and it's just strange considering how much i've smoked over the years that that cigar still does it to me still does it to you yeah there, that may be that may to some degree nowadays it may be more psychological but back in the day that used to happen a lot honduran cigars had this combination property of of uh you know uh, a, a nicotine content, but also uh, sort of a light floral and also some, it could go hay-like, you know, uh, but they put a blonde wrapper on it. You'd look and you go, oh, this is great. And your first few puffs, you see, they go, this is it's fresh and it's lively. And, oh, I like this cigar. And you sit there and smoke. And 15 minutes later, you're like, holy cow, where did that come from? Guess what? Honduran cigars are, you know, by the way, you know, think about it. I think Honduras is in the middle of a renaissance. There's all kinds of things happening in 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 Honduran cigar making today that is mind blowing. Yeah, you know, they've always sort of been, you know, and after it's like, okay, so the the top of the of of the food chain is Nicaragua and Dominican Republic battling for supremacy and for uh, you know uh, uh, the great legacy, and 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 Honduras sort of sits there. Uh, underneath going oh don't forget about us you know but man there's some brilliant things happening there now absolutely so um i actually need to grab i just finished my water i'm i we're about to light up the our the number one here in a few minutes so while i'm grabbing a real quick water george if you could uh just talk about the experience that you're having with that rocky uh, Patel disciple, and uh, if I'll just I'll be right back. Um, just need to grab no a, grab a water. So go, go ahead, go do your thing. So, um, again, look at the uh, the burn on this rocky is going. There's a little nip right there that's just showed up in the end, but it's glorious. And by the way, here's another cigar we're talking about that comes from Honduras. It might be using Nicaraguan tobacco, but the combination, the blending art, the skill in manufacturing, all there. 
this is a really, really tasty cigar. And, you know, compared to I smoked a much bigger ring gauge cigar to, uh, and I was tempted by uh, thinking about that, uh, the big beast that, uh, that's, that we already discussed, the Crux cigar. Uh, this thing is delivering marvelous, marvelous flavors. Um, I hesitate to say this. I don't want to um, offend my, uh, my, my dear friend. But in a way, to me, the personality of this cigar is unrocky-like. It, it, I don't associate this flavor profile that's being delivered to me right now as a typical Rocky Patel smoke. But and, and have, that's no slight. It's just about the the personality. But this cigar is a marvel. And 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 listen, I, I'm excited to light up some other things, and we have things here to to smoke and to talk about. But this. This thing is is like keeping me not just entertained, engaged, and I keep looking at it, going, "Wow, what, what happened there?" It's rich. It's got this uh, center sort of sharp, spicy note that's uh, not uh, overpowering. It's not um, it's not quite charred, but there's a there's a roasted quality to it that's really impressive. Uh, and again, this is a, a, a truly distinct flavor. Uh, you know, I think it's a great achievement if you can create a blend, no matter where the tobaccos come from. But as you combine them, you put together a cigar with a flavor and you go, man, there's nothing else in the humidor like George, can you hear me? And there, I also want to say thank you very much for including this. Thank you for finding this because I would probably have skipped this cigar on my own. This would not have been in my rotation for for reasons that are you know stupid that that are that are um, uh, irrelevant. But but this is a this is a treat and a half. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's it, like I said, it was one of the I mean, it was probably the least herald uh, out of his releases from last year. I mean, most people were talking about the 60, which has gained some really nice critical acclaim yeah. into this year and the white label, too, in particular. Notoriety, all well deserved. And I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely I've, 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 I, I, I pay all due respects. But this guy is, is completely, it's what I was saying while you're away is that this is an unexpected flavor. It is not what I think of as a typical Rocky smoke. And by the way, as I get down to this part of it, you know, where I normally be saying, okay, you know, well, what, it's got this syrupy sweetness on my lips that just won't quit. It is, it, it's just so, there's so many things going on with it. I, 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 I'm, I'm in love, you know. My saying to people all the time is, you know how you can tell you're smoking a great cigar when you go to put it down in the ashtray and then you go, eh, let me just sneak one more puff out of it. You know, <laughs> I can't quite quit it. If a cigar is stuck to your fingers, you know it is. It, it, that's a memorable smoke and you should take note of it. Was when, when you find yourself, you know, your, your fingertips are starting to get warm because you're holding this little butt 
you know, this little tiny thing and you're going, I just can't put it down. Man, go, go, go back into the humidor and buy a bunch more. Well, I, I almost hate to ask you to put it down because I know we we're going to light up the number one because you still have not tried the number one cigar. Well, okay, are we there yet? Can we do that? Um, yeah, so I'll, we'll, we'll do the three and two and then I have one more break. And then but uh, so we're not going to really talk about it. We're just going to cut it and light the number one cigar of the well, year. Thank you. Um, and uh, we'll get George's impressions when we announce it here in a few moments. But we do need to go on to the number three cigar of the year. Yes. Uh, um, and you know, it's, 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 I mean, again, you couldn't plan this cause this is all blind for you, uh, uh, George, but the, uh, you were talking about the, uh, the magic of Honduras and what it's been like lately. Uh, and the number three cigar of the year is a Honduran manufactured cigar. Uh, and this is a cigar that I inc- just enjoyed so much from the very beginning. It's been consistent and you had some great things to say about it too, which we'll get into in just a second. But the number three cigar of the year for me was the St. Louis Rey Carreñas uh, Toro yeah. manufactured in Honduras at La Flor de Copan. It's got a Nicaraguan wrapper. Uh, the binder is Honduran broadleaf. And the filler is also from Honduras as well. It's a six inch by 52 Toro. Um, and um, like I said, manufactured at La Florida Copan. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed the cigar. It's, it, it, we're going to talk about your impressions of it, which were very similar to mine. And a lot like the arrival, it has such delicate nuances, um, some beautiful uh, creaminess mixed with like baker's spice um and that barnyard quality that we've been talking about quite a bit lately and everything uh with this with this particular blend it's very well balanced um and just a terrific terrific uh expression and for me i really love this cigar in particular because saint louis ray has a warm spot in my heart as a brand um but it had been falling off for me quite a bit over the last few years so when they revitalize it with this new expression from it i was just i was completely blown away by it and when i say blown away it's not a powerhouse cigar um, no. but i just really 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 enjoyed it and uh um some of your impressions of it were were also very positive as well too so um go ahead and pull that up and uh one of the things um you called the wrapper sexy with a nice sheen yeah. and shine to it. Tight roll, but not too veiny. Uh, again, cold draw, not giving you very much on it, but uh, nope. but 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 very but had nice uh, subtle richness to it. So, um, but do you you were welcomed by a lot of that hay and barnyard element uh, as you first as you first lit the cigar and you found uh, the first first third in particular. You had some really wonderful things about to say it positively george you there george yeah i'm back i sorry i lost you for a second you were you were you were going into the, the the notes following my initial impression. We that basically we were getting to the hay and horseshit part. <laughs> yeah, I I left off the the, the term horseshit there. I know you had it in your description, but I thought you could elaborate a little bit on that. Also, funky well, uh, funky leather properties also came in the description as well. Yes, 
What again? The, the, what we're talking about is all of my favorite properties in a cigar. You know, I used to say, opening up a box of cigars, I'm like a kid on Christmas morning. To this day, after all of these years and all of these experiences, but if I open up a, a box of cigars and, and, and put it up to my face, and what I smell is perfumey and fragrant and exotic, and, and that, you know, it's like, uh, you know, forget that you give, sell this to somebody else. But if it smells like, a, you know, the business end of a barnyard, if it smells funky and earthy, uh, like I say, hay and horse shit, if it's got that, man, grab them by the fistful. Take the whole damn box home if you can, because that's when you're going to get this symphony of flavors that are going to take you from bright all the way down to the deepest, earthiest, funkiest properties. And when that happens, when you get that, when you've got that beautiful, shiny wrapper and you're looking at it going, oh, my God, I don't know whether I'm going to sleep with this cigar or smoke it. And it's delivering you this complex, this, this, you know, it's dancing across your palate. You're getting all these different things. You're getting earth. You're getting nuts. You're getting leather, leather to me, man. And, and, and by the way. That cigar uh, enveloped me in its aroma, and I wanted to live in it. You know, sometimes you smell a cigar and you go, it's a little heavy, you know. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's, it's so ethereal that, it, that, it, that you don't even know what it's doing for you in terms of your reaction. That was like this warm, it was just this magnificent, it was really an embrace. My God, that, you know, I'm sitting here talking myself into, I got to go out and, and, and get some of these because. Damn, were they good? You know, I'm I'm very partial to um, the brand itself too because you know that it was the the last independently owned Havana, at least in the modern era. Stanley uh, uh, Ray was the property of a of a uh, the brand was in the hands of an English gentleman uh, who continued was having them made uh, at, at Havanos, you know, by Cuba Tobacco. Um, even through the boom, through through the through the middle of the boom, and then uh, uh, basically after the reorganization, uh, Habanos just put their foot down and said, "Yeah, you can keep your brand. I don't know who you're going to get to make it for you." Uh, but at the same time, also, if you go all the way back, I mean, this is you know before your time, but uh, when when Senri Ray came back into the marketplace from Honduras, it was this remarkable cigar. They that that cigar was like another. A shadow earthquake of when the original um, Diplomaticos from Christian uh, Iroa came out. And they were these two things, these cigars from Honduras were like, oh my God, these things are magic. Camacho, the Camacho Diplomatico was like, people were, people were coming into the cigar store going, I have to have Camacho Diplomatico. I remember those original ones are just oh god they were so sensational. They were unforgettable. They were unforgettable, and the, and so again the same thing with the uh, the Sanley Rays that came out. Now they did have some trouble, you know. They 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 set the bar really high. They created this extraordinary blend, and they were they were just again they were really distinctive smokes. You, there was nothing else that you could buy in the humidor that delivered the flavor that that cigar had. That particular batch, that experience, they were like, oh, my God. And they were unable to reproduce that um, 
after the initial period, and then they came back to their to their glory. But it is it is a it is a magic brand. Whether you're talking about the cigars that are made, um, you know, post revolution, uh, or the 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 Cuban iteration that still exists, it lingers around there today. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a neglected brand in the in the Habanos portfolio, but uh, but as a as a non-Cuban brand, it has continued to surprise. It just delivers the goods. I really I absolutely enjoyed the hell out of the cigar. I thought it was uh, man, I I couldn't get enough of it when I first started smoking it, and um, and I and I've got, I went back to it. Kind of like I kind of went back to it, and if we could break up the last eighteen months into thirds, like a cigar almost. Yeah. Like uh-huh. when it firstly initially came out, I smoked a hell of a lot of them. Then I went back to them after a few months of of smoking other things, and then and then I've recently kind of gone back to it again. And and uh, um, this was a cigar that admittedly, uh, you know, shot up a little bit towards the back end of the uh, the qualifying period. Um, it just in terms of again, it, and it was all about you mean it shot back into the charts. Yeah, it was never out of contention, like out of the like the top. Like I don't think it ever right. dropped out of my top ten, um, but it it definitely skyrocketed up to up to where this was, and and uh, admittedly, some kind of some kind of uh, the disciple actually was a little bit uh, kind of more towards the middle of the top ten and kind of back ended it. Not that the quality fell off or anything. I just uh-huh. found myself smoking and enjoying different cigars towards the towards the end when a lot with a lot more frequency and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, the uh, the uh, the next cigar also had number two had a really really positive experience for you as well. Um, I was very pleased that number two and number three performed so well, especially after the disappointment in number four. But uh, <laughs> I just uh, I. This was uh, this is another cigar that I thought was uh, incredibly uh, incredibly well done and just smokes so consistently every time I've had it. Uh, like we were talking in the very beginning about it not sucking. It I've never had I've never had enough experience with this one, um, and I've just enjoyed it from the very moment. And I've I've smoked a ton of them. Obviously, that wouldn't be number two if it weren't. Um, but it's a and uh, and uh, like the. Uh, um, like the number five cigar of the year, the the from Cavalier Geneva, it is a box press cigar, but it does have a uh, Connecticut wrapper to it, and it's um, cigar. We'll get to your notes here in a second, but the number two cigar of the year for 2022 is from a company called Artista Cigars, and it's the Buffalo Ten Connecticut. It only comes in one Vitola. It's a box pressed. Uh, we'll call it a Toro. Um, the uh, the it's a six by 50 um mm-hmm. uh trunk press uh manufactured at uh, el artista uh cigar factory in the dominican republic uh the wrapper is ecuadorian connecticut the binder is african cameroon filler is dominican uh and nicaraguan tobaccos uh and it's again it's manufactured at uh, tobacular el artista and uh man you had i i think this uh um, maybe with the exception of the Rocky that you just smoked, this might, uh, number two might've been your, the cigar you enjoyed most out of all the samples that you smoked beforehand. If I'm hopefully I'm not mischaracterizing your words, but, um, you are not at all. I could not get enough of that cigar. It was absolutely magic. 
It was a brilliant smoke in, in, in every respect. Everything that you want a cigar to do it felt good in your hand. It looked beautiful. It smelled gorgeous, but it kept delivering flavor in waves. It, it, I'll put it to you this way. That is a very sophisticated blend because it is not something that gets up and punches you in the mouth. Instead, it just starts to give you satisfaction. That cigar made me happy from the moment I lit it. It was a tremendous experience, and I didn't want it to end. And you know what's crazy about this? This is the least expensive cigar in the top 10. It's a $5 smoke, George, if you can believe this. It's... and so trust me, all of you out there that are paying attention to what Bear is putting down right now, run out to your store and find that cigar and buy it. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And if your store doesn't have it, tell them they should. Yeah, it's excellent. Um, oh, it is. It, it's wow. The the thing that uh, the, you kind of notated as you kind of were, you, the more deeper you got into it, is that the, the you, you actually enjoyed it more, and you know we we uh, the the cigar coup coalition jokes around a lot about crescendo of flavor, but you got the more you got into this, the more you really enjoyed it. I really liked that you picked up again, uh, like we had a very similar experience towards the middle of the cigar. Uh, you characterized it as a, a a tartness, a sweet tartness, like a Meyer lemon, yes. which I definitely get, um, yeah. but not cloying, sweet, bright, um, with just really beautiful baker spices for me mm-hmm. uh but this really and i think this is where the cameroon comes in this beautiful like coffee ri- mm-hmm. uh, rich coffee again without being cloying at all um it or, just, or artificial or you know, yeah. in other words not not a, not not something that that that, that is uh, from casing or anything else it just it was co- totally organic my god it was good and it's interesting because we're going to take a break before we hit the number one cigar. But this this cigar had an effect on you that we're going to talk about here in a second, which is it took you it, it kind of transported you back to yeah. a cigar moment that you had and cherished, which is it reminded you of an El Rey del Mundo that you smoked in Havana yeah. at the factory all the That's way back the in, the, in the 90s. So talk yeah. a little bit about that experience uh, and and how that I mean. Surely this isn't the first time a cigar has done that to you where it's transported you through time and your smoking experience. But uh, talk about that, this one specifically. Well, and it wasn't, you know, interestingly enough, the, the, what happened with that was that as I was probably somewhere, I was past the halfway point uh, and I was, I was just sort of, uh, uh, going down the rabbit hole in terms of thinking about the flavors and everything, but there was something in the back of my mind, and I I, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I was thinking of you know, gingerbread or you know, but but there was a, there was a taste in it that had there was a palate sensation. So so it, it was not only about just the flavors that I was tasting, but the the actual texture and the way that the smoke was registering and how much I was really really appreciating it and it 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 snapped into my mind just you know obviously totally unbidden i was i was daydreaming is really what it is i was i was doing what the cigars give you the the privilege of doing which is free associating going uh 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 far afield from from just the the thing uh it confronting you 
a lot of times a cigar does that. It unlocks your mind. But I was in I was in Havana at the El Reno Mundo factory. And, uh, you know, it was it's a smaller operation, especially at the time. It's really that's another brand that's been mostly neglected, uh, except for, you know, old cigar heads and, and, and you know, fuddy duddies like me who, who uh, uh, spend time looking backwards. Uh, but I, I, you know, El Reno Mundo has a great history in in the pantheon of, of Havana brands, and I believe personally that El Re certain El Reno Mundo cigars have inspired legends in the business. Uh, uh, one of whom is Jose Orlando Padron. He and I have discussed this at length. Is that it's a cigar that 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 set up in my mind many many great cigar makers had a paradigm paradigmatic moment in their smoking maturity where they where they might have been someplace and they lit up a cigar and they smoked and they went oh my god this is what defines an excellent cigar this cigar everything that it's delivering me right now in its flavor its profile its body its personality uh and and there are several great cigar makers that i know who had that experience specifically with an el Rado mundo lonsdale which was sort of like their trophy shape but anyway well i was in havana at the factory and it was neglected you know they were making a big deal out of partagas and everybody wanted to go to la corona because it was you know where Hoya monterey double coronas were made and uh uh and then everybody was also crazy to go to laguito where the where the davros were originally made and then cohibas and so there were all these other properties that were gaining people's attention and and el Rey del mundo was just kind of sitting there and i said you know this factory has produced some of the greatest Havana cigars I ever smoked. And I and and the the, the manager of the factory went, he said, let me I, I want to bring you something. And he brought me out of Schwab Supreme, which is a Robusto, their their format, their Robusto format. And he said, this is an older blend, but he said, it's what I strive for. And man, we smoked that cigar with a cup of Cuban coffee. And, you know, factories are great the way they treat people that, that come in, that take the time and go and, 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 and want to spend and uh, spend some time and learn and, 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 and dig a little deeper than, than just, you know, what's for sale in the gift shop. Um, <laughs> and I got this. I know. I mean, obviously, I couldn't see it because I'm sitting here looking across, but I, I, I was transported by that cigar. And he, he the guy saw the look on my face and he goes. Yeah, you see, that's why I think we make the best cigars here. And I was like, man, if everyone was like this, there wouldn't be any reason to smoke anything else. And I swear to God that the flavor that came to me in that moment from that cigar, that everything about the, it's not necessarily the specific taste, but the experience that it was giving me, what it was doing for me, how the flavors were unfolding and all the things that i was appreciating about them the temperature the texture the aromas i was like holy shit i'm back in havana and let me tell you something i pay any price for cigars that that, that deliver that kind of experience and the fact that it's a bargain is just again like i said people go out and find them and buy them and and if i'm wrong send your complaints to bear <laughs> there you go the buck stops anyway, here tonight. Sorry, so. I don't mean to. I, I was not trying to, you know, take us off track. 
No, it's in it's 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 interesting that this again this is this is all this is all this was all blind for you and it, it plays well into our our last couple segments here before we do uh, talk about our number one cigar of the year uh, and this of course is uh, we take ourselves into our uh, our asylum moment you know our next segment is brought to you by Asylum Cigars Refuge is more than just a physical place it can be a state of mind so some of life's greatest experiences and greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum moments like these were made for asylum cigars light light up an asylum mm. and choose <laughs> light up an asylum and choose your refuge um so this segment george is specifically those moments that you've had so many moments over the years i i, I love the story that you tell uh, that you got to experience an incredible plane ride after selling cigars outside of a hangar uh, in New York, uh, you know, with uh, you United, I believe it was United number one pilot, uh, took you up in a, in an aircraft and you guys got to smoke cigars and in an airplane of God, of all things, which was cool. Uh, and, uh, just some of the stories you're talking about, like with Lido and, and, and other, um, you know, other personalities throughout the years, you've, you've had the great fortune to hand cigars to some incredible personalities, uh, both famous, uh, infamous and, and not and uh and had some great experiences but every so often and i think the magic about cigars is that you know while they are so much community driven and they've opened so many doors for the for the for the two of us as we've both admitted um is that there's sometimes those moments that we just have with the cigar by itself are simply indescribable and so i know you just described one a few moments ago but what's another cigar moment that comes to mind where it was just it was just you and the cigar nobody else Nothing else. You know, what was that moment about? And if you can remember the cigar, tell us a little bit about it. Well, actually, I can tell you something. It, it may seem um, too similar to what I just related, but they're distinct, different experiences about different cigars and in a very different place, too, both in Havana, though. But I, I, was, um, I was actually right here not that long ago, uh, out here on my cigar balcony, uh, burning a, a, a Havana 6, you know, the, the, the tatouage, the little uh, um, petite Corona. Oh, yes. Which I love. Uh, but I was smoking the cigar, and uh, I was sitting there. I, 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 actually, what I was saying to myself was, this is the best one I've had in months, if not years. And I loved it. I was sitting there going, my God, this is just so, it, it's, it's just hitting all the right notes. And it's that, again, a cigar that wasn't about power at all. It was uh, giving me this flavor. And, I, and, and, and bang, right there, I was like transported to a moment in Havana that at the Partagas factory with Abel, who was the manager at the time, in a back room, smoking a part of a short, and I realized that the 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 little tatuaje that I was smoking was delivering me the exact profile, the exact components, the the same kinds of flavors that that magnificent part. Of, it, it, Abel had saved a box for me because he knew that I I liked these cabinets uh and and the, that little size was like really near and dear i i like i always wanted whenever i was in cuba i always wanted to have like a pocket full of uh uh particle shorts in my in my guayabara pocket you know uh 
And so he said, this is a great box. And I, I was smoking a cigar going, dude, these things smoke like a fucking Churchill. They deliver so much flavor. There's just this little thing you're sitting there and, and they're phenomenal. And, and I, I just, I was sitting there with the, with the Havana six and I go, oh my God, this is, and you know, listen, it's a terrible cliche. And I think it's mostly not useful to say it delivers a Cuban experience because that's bullshit. But in, in this day and age, for most smokers, they don't have any idea what the hell that means. They, they you know, Telling them a Cuban experience, they go, oh, you, you know, and, 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 and what they're thinking of is somebody gave them a fake cigar when they were hanging out at a cigar bar and said, oh, here, smoke this. It's a Cuban cigar, you know, trash. No, I'm talking about being in Mecca in, 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 in one of the great back in the day, not what's happening now, but back in the day in a place where where cigar magic was being made and, and, and extraordinary dedicated people were were, were taking Phenomenal tobacco, the best raw material in the world, regardless of what happens in the factory sometimes, and 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 working wonders. And that cigar delivered me a flavor. Uh, I mean, listen, it it literally snapped me from where I was sitting right here back to Havana, and I was like, oh my god. So of course I took a minute and texted Pete and said, dude, this cigar. It's just shit. It's uh, it's one of those cigars. When I ever I revisit, I'm never disappointed. Um, it's this perfect length of a break, and it really is. Uh, it's kind of. It's it, impossible not to smile while you're smoking that cigar. It, you know what? That's a pretty apt description. It really is. Um, you know I. I've I've smoked a ton of them over the years, probably not as many as you, but I've I you know I mentioned my experience with the intergalactic, you know, after a really rough patch of smoking a few cigars over a couple yeah. of days, they were just rough. Um, and that, but that 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 one particularly is the you know the Vanna sixes just do that for me. They're kind of breath of fresh air when I need it. Um, they're mm -hmm. a palate, they're a nice palate resetter. But they're just so much more than that, you know. They're just a really nice, a really nice experience every single time. But they um, show you what's possible, right? You know, because Havana Six is—it's hardly the most expensive or the most prestigious out of the portfolio. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. And there—it's a small, unassuming format. But by God, do they deliver? And I, I think that's a testament to what Pete and you know what he will always say. He'll always give credit to his father-in-law, you know, Pepin. Mm -hmm. Do is that it, mm -hmm. you know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the price point. It doesn't matter the cigar. It's 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 it, every single detail matters, and every single cigar right. matters to a, to a to a great extent, and uh, yep. and, and delivers in a lot of great ways. Um, so uh, George, as we go into our last segment before our number one announcement, I would uh, like to invite you to, you mentioned uh, before the show that you had something special that you wanted to pour. So I thought I'd off, uh, invite you to pour it into your glass and we'll raise a toast uh, as we announce the number one cigar of the year here in just a moment. But as we do, our last uh, sponsored segment for the night is our curveball segment, which is always brought to you by Dunbart Tobacco and Trust. Uh, fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park seven consecutive years. The consensus top three. Will he make it number eight? We'll find out in a few weeks' time. But, uh, George, this is a very simple question. Um, 
and it, you might have already answered it. It might be the Buffalo 10. It might be the number four, the Howard G. Magic Stick Cameroon. Uh, it certainly probably wasn't the Cavalier of Geneva because you knew what at least something of what it was going into it. But did any of my car, cigars throw a curveball at you? Did it uh, did it completely go a different direction than you thought, or was it give you a delivery experience that you just weren't expecting? Well, okay, that see that it, it, your question is a curveball to me because what I was going to say is the cigar that delivered to me with 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 all this surprise was absolutely that number two smoke. Uh, my God, was it was so much more than I was anticipating. In other words, I, I thought that I was going to smoke a nice, light, creamy cigar with some interesting flavor notes, and, and you know, and then it was going to be okay. This is a this is a fun cigar. It's in this you know in this sort of safe zone of this is a reliable you know. Uh, Instead, as I said, I couldn't get enough of that cigar. I just wanted to keep smoking. And and that, to me, you know, finding something, finding a flavor that I don't immediately identify and and uh, a cigar that gives me that much and, and gets my mind working about other experiences, other other transformative experiences, that that's the best thing in the world. It was it was a delight. Um, and I will also say that the, the number three, that was the big bad boy, right? The uh, St. Louis Ray, uh, Carinius, yeah, the, the Toro. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, it delivered so much more as it, in other words, it just kept building. It kept giving me more and more and more. So I was, uh, I was thrilled by that. Terrific. Well, that was our Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust curveball, uh, preceded by our asylum moment. So, moments like moments like George described are made for asylum cigars. So, light up an asylum and choose your refuge. And as always, fastballs or curveballs, it doesn't matter. Steve Sock has been knocking them out of the park seven consecutive years in the consensus top three. Again, will he make it number eight? We'll see here in a few short weeks. So yeah. uh, without further ado, the drum rolls out, uh, George. Uh, why don't you, uh, I, what, uh, what special beverage did you put aside for uh, tonight as we, uh, as we toast the number one cigar of the year that I'm about to announce? I decided that it was time to break out some Old Forester single barrel. This is a bottling from uh, several years back uh, that they don't really do anymore. They have other... Uh, you know they've they've sort of reinvented and gone in the in the in the whiskey row series uh, eighteen ninety three and nineteen ten and nineteen twelve which are all great whiskeys but this is just this this bottle of this whiskey is absolutely super again it's really one of these things that it's a little bit unassuming you know it's like okay so it's old Forester you know it's a legacy brand and it's good but is it, it it's not pappy and it's not birthday bourbon and blah, 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 bullshit. This delivers everything. That, this delivers the Kentucky hug. That's what, uh, that's what Booker used to call it all the time. Kentucky hug. I love it. Yeah. Well, I decided to uh, reach over here real quick. I decided to pour some of what has become one of my favorite tequilas. It's a Reposado uh, from a brand called Vison. Vison. Um, Reposado, um, just a beautiful golden-hued tequila that I think pairs exceptionally well with cigars, in particular with the number one cigar that we're smoking right now. Um, 
I've really enjoyed, I've really enjoyed uh, more and more over the last few years. I've always enjoyed tequilas, but I feel like it's uh, tequila has become one of my favorite pairings with cigars. Uh, really enjoy it. And, uh, and I'm enjoying it right now with the number one cigar of the year, which I'm going to announce momentarily. Everyone's been waiting, but before that, I wanted to raise a toast to you, George Brightman, um, for um, all that you've given us in this industry, um, for all the time you've given us tonight, for playing along with my little game, smoking all of my cigars uh, blind um, and giving us your assessment on them. Um, cheers to you, George. Uh, may 2023 uh, be your best year yet. Here, here. Well, thank you. Cheers. Right back at you, man. May, may 2023 holds surprises and curveballs and rewards. Uh, you know, hope you get everything, uh, uh, you know, richly deserved your efforts are great i really appreciate it and uh i've enjoyed all this but but so absolutely salute absolutely so without further ado let's uh by the way yes before before you say the number one cigar i always got to say and i you know i'm really happy that tequila and mezcal have finally had their moment after all these false starts over the years and all these oh it's going to be the next big thing and then it just sort of peters out i'm really thrilled by it and I've had some marvelous sipping tequilas that really are perfect uh, pairings for a cigar. But I I cannot think about tequila without hearing the voice of the great Timothy Oliphant as Raylan Givens in Justified. You know, when he, when he's when he's down there uh, when he's down there going after uh, the gay the, the Herbie the dentist guy. You know, he's in Mexico and uh, he walks into the bar and it's like a top bar in. Uh, 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 you know, someplace like Laredo or whatever, you know, a border town in Mexico. Then he goes to the bartender uh, and uh, and orders uh, bourbon. And the guy looks at him like, you know, you obviously don't know where the fuck you are, you know. <laughs> and uh, so he, he sort of, you know, he gives the guy, okay, so tequila, you know. And, uh, and the guy said, this is Mexico, you know, we drink tequila here like real men, you know, and all the, and and uh, And he goes, and I, I love this. And this is pure Elmore. It's a classic Elmore Leonard. He goes, says, man, I just don't understand it. How how you can, you know, how you think you're going to get this juice from that angry plant, that fucking cactus with the spine and everything. Bourbon. <laughs> he said, the bourbon is sunshine in a glass. How can you, how can you go wrong with that? So there, you know. Like I said, I can I never I I, I can't forget the, the voice of Raylan. Now this is the part that has me on pins and needles because uh, you're smoking my number one cigar of the year. So uh, we're gonna hear your assessment here momentarily. But what I've noticed over this is my sixth top ten in my fifth year mm -hmm. of of LLS Fumar takes. I did one just after a few months after I launched the show uh in 2017. And and over the, the course of six top tens, I've it's I've really enjoyed this exercise because I've noticed a lot about my palate that have changed over even that yeah. a couple of years over the short time cigars or, or tobaccos that I typically haven't favored in years prior have creeped their way into my top 10 and have become a really enjoyable source of my palate. Um, and in particular, like last year, um, you know, if you told me at the very beginning in 2017, when I named the Espinosa Habano number four, my number one cigar of the year, if I, if, if Connecticut shade cigar would have been my number one cigar 
And I, I, probably, no way. I would have said no. And the rave last year from Dissident proved that wrong. And it was just yeah. a, a really interesting thing. And now, again, the Buffalo 10 Connecticut is my number two cigar of the year this year. The Brulee Blue is another uh, Connecticut cigar coming in at number seven. Yeah. So a really, you know interesting exercise over the last few years as I've created these top tens and as I've smoked my way through a lot of a lot of incredible cigars and a lot of crummy ones over the years and these are the ones that I smoked the most of and uh, I've really really enjoyed this exercise as I've mentioned and uh, um, but there is another first this year this is the first time in uh, LS Fumar takes history that we have a first at the number one and the first that I'm talking about actually is the fact that we actually have a repeat winner now we can't have a repeat cigar but you can have a repeat winner and this is the first time that we have had uh, a number uh, one cigar go to a company who's won it in the past and that was my very first cigar in 2017 the Espinosa Habana number four Espinosa has made my number one cigar of the year for the second time. And uh, there's probably a lot of people out there that are probably guessing what it is because they had a lot of great cigars this year. Um, but it's probably something that might catch you off guard. And it's the Espinosa Crema Box Press Toro, which George and I are smoking right now, is my number one cigar of the year. Uh, this is a cigar that I have said uh, will absolutely change your life because i don't think it smokes like any other connecticut shade uh and that's been said a lot over the last few years with the connecticut renaissance that we've had even this the, the crema is not a new blend by any stretch but this is a newer vitola in it uh and the way that uh hector alfonso and eric put together this blend in this vitola with the box press unbelievable uh i've just absolutely just loved this blend it has been fantastic uh, of course, hails from the Lazona factory in Nicaragua, Nicaraguan tobacco in the binder and filler, and it's adorned by what I feel is one of the most beautiful Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrappers. Uh, it's a six by 50 box pressed Toro um, and uh, is my number one cigar of the year. Um, so I'm on pins and needles here, George, you've been smoking it for the, um, for the last few minutes. You're probably about through the last first third at least heading into the halfway point um what are your thoughts well first of all congratulations to eric and the whole crew because this is a fantastic cigar i can see why you have returned to this cigar again and again in your own smoking preference because this is a delightful uh, it, it, it's, it, it, I, I hate to keep ringing that bell, but it's everything that you want in a cigar. It's creamy. It's got this beautiful mouthfeel. Listen, you're exactly right to call it a little bit like a, a mini Connecticut renaissance because people have done remarkable things. Part of it is that growing Connecticut in Ecuador has produced almost a new flavor. Connecticut, all of the things that could go wrong with Connecticut have mostly been erased by growing Connecticut shade style tobacco in Ecuador under the constant cloud cover. So you get a cigar, uh, you get a, a leaf which has more uh, oil uh, and, 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 and some different properties than 
typical U.S. Connecticut colors are are gorgeous too. But damn, man, this cigar, the 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 com the blend that 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 makes this cigar, the fillers and the and the, and the binder and the wrapper just come together as a it's an apex cigar you are you are spot on in terms of at least so far look i i gotta tell you i didn't really have confidence that anything in the number one slot was going to knock out how much i enjoyed that number two right uh but this cigar tops it now, I think to some degree, it might be a little bit, and this is not to take anything away from Espinosa, but it, this is, this is uh, close to the golden mean of cigars in terms of the size. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, the, the beauty of the trunk press, you know, of the, of the, of the way that, it, that this cigar in your hand, you know, you look, this, to be honest, in many ways, not the specific size because it is not a classic old school Bitola. But this cigar reminds me of what is great about Monte Cristo over the years from Cuba, I'm talking about. It has, it has mouthfeel, it has aroma, it has uh, texture, it has complexity to the blend without any, any, uh, um, any off notes, any, there's, there's no excess of power. It's just this elegant smoke that rolls off your palate. Uh, by God, this is a great cigar. Well, thank you, George. Um, I, so I, I salute your choice to, 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 to put the period on what I said. Thank you very much. I, I've absolutely adored this cigar. I've, it really, it really captured my palate in a, in an unbelievable way uh, from the very beginning has consistently performed. We talk about it, not sucking, never uh, have not had a poor experience with it. You talk about the aroma and what I find interesting is the aroma going in as you're taking a puff off the cigar, you're, you're filled with that creaminess from the wrapper, the spices from the Nicaraguan tobaccos that marry incredibly well, but it's that aroma because on the exhale, the, the coolness of the smoke produces this beautiful, sweet, creamy aroma uh, to it. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's creamy. It's creamy to beat the band. And the, the, the other thing that, again, major, major props to Espinosa, the retrohale on this cigar for the, the amount of flavor, the richness, the depth of flavor that's in this the retrohale is like powder. It's like talc. It's so gentle. It's so beautiful, and that's what brings out the deeper layers of the of the flavor. And 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 by the way, uh, kudos to you for picking this out because I guarantee this is the most neglected part of their entire portfolio in most shops, unless you have somebody with as discerning a palate as you have, who's sitting there going you got to smoke this cigar people will just pass it by i um i certainly hope not because i want this to stay around for many years and um Mm -hmm. they you know eric and hector and company they've really continued to surprise the market they had an incredible year this year um Mm -hmm. you know the knuckle sandwich really took the industry by storm 
they had a slew of unbelievable uh, limited editions. Yeah. Um, their war headline continues to year. perform. Yeah, they had an incredible year. And uh, I know this was uh, definitely not the cigar they were planning on winning with with me. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Coop called it for, you know, I want to go ahead and put it on record. He's been predicting this one, and he sent me predictions right before the show, official predictions, and he's been talking he about predicted it. This, he predicted that this was your number one? He predicted this is my number one. He was off on the other two. He, he, said, he said my top three were going to be this cigar at number one, which he got right, and then he said that the, uh, the Magic Stick Cameroon was going to be number two, and then the Jalapa Visa was going to be number three, and he had those off by a couple of, a couple of spots. I wonder how we did. With, oh yeah, I wonder how we did. We'll have to. I'll have to have a conversation with them later on the rest of this. But um, Jay Davis had the Carenius actually at number three, so he was right on that. So good job, Jay. So my audience knows me pretty well, uh, which is yeah. pretty, uh, pretty cool. Uh, uh, but hopefully we had some surprises and twists and turns well, for everybody tonight. Well, hopefully, hopefully they're listening to your recommendations too, because this list should have delivered a number of surprises or uh, curveballs uh, from from Dunbarton for for things that people might have been neglecting in their cigar humidors when they walk in their local shop. So they should be they should be you know using a new eye. I certainly hope so. I'm I'm pretty pleased with this year's list. Again, I, as I noted at the top of the show, this is my least smoking year uh, mm-hmm. that I've had uh, since I since I started the list, and uh, it's been a tough year uh, in a lot of ways. But it's been an enjoyable year from a cigars perspective, um, and I'm very excited about this list. I've got. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and show the uh, final picture here. Yeah. Uh, there's my top ten. Um, and uh, we've got the Espinosa Crema Box Press Toro at number one, the Buffalo 10 Connecticut at number two, the St. Louis Ray Carreñas Toro at number three, the Howard G. Cigars Magic Stick Cameroon Toro at number four, the Cavalier of Geneva B2 Jalapa Viso Robusto Grande at number five, the Crux uh, Bull and Bear uh, Double Corona at number six, the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust uh, Brulee Blue at number seven. Uh, Rocky Patel Disciple Robusto at number eight. The Arrival by Ken Hamlin, manufactured by La Aurora Robusto at number uh, nine. And the number 10 cigar of the year was Luciano Cigars, The Sergeant. Um, but that's my top 10, everybody. Uh, George, uh, George seemed to enjoy, uh, I would say, a vast majority of these cigars uh, over the last uh, few days, uh, and hopefully you will too as you uh, uh, take part in them and hopefully uh, take some of my recommendation with it. If your local proprietor doesn't have them, uh, certainly recommend it because that's the only way that retailers know. George spent years in retail. I spent years in retail. And so that's sometimes the only way we hear about it is from the yeah. people who enjoy the cigars. Yep. Absolutely. So don't be, don't hesitate to share your opinion and, uh, and vote with your wallet. Indeed. So, um, George, we'll definitely have to have you back because there's so much more to your story and so much more to your journey that I want to explore, but this was a very unique and wonderful exercise. Thank you again so much for gracing me with your presence, your participation, uh, your enthusiasm. Uh, and thank you so much for giving me, as I mentioned earlier, all that you have over the years, uh, it's truly been uh, one of my honors getting to know you over the last couple of years. 
Um, and uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully many more years of growing friendship with you. And uh, one day uh, we'll share a cigar in person together. Uh, but for now, yes. we'll enjoy it virtually. So we'll do it, we'll do it this way for now. But uh, but I, too, look forward to the moment and I salute you for your passion and your commitment to this and uh, and your good work, because going through everything that you do throughout the year and then refining and refining and refining, bringing the list down to this group is is real work. And it, uh, great job. Well done, my friend. So I salute you. And I I, uh, I can't emphasize enough, man. I, I hope that that people out there that that may have missed some of these things go and try them for themselves and then you know give their reactions to find out are we right or wrong and let you know because it's uh it, it that's the way that's the way things really move in this business you know when when you can when you can turn people on to something new uh you know it's just better for everybody it's better for the cigar makers it's better for retailers and it's better for your friends who are smokers and if you find something that you hate give it to somebody you don't like <laughs> Absolutely. So I think, unfortunately, George, I think the live feed from Facebook cut, but the good news is they're still recording here. So we didn't lose anything. Um, so I really appreciate uh, everyone's uh, everyone out there uh, for their uh, for their hanging with Thank us. Thank you all. Thank and, you all for, for hanging in there. Absolutely. If you're listening later, you can always listen to us on wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, or even iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you download, subscribe, and review. If you already are a subscriber, do me a favor and hit unsubscribe because that really helps my numbers. Uh, and uh, I can always get back uh, incredible guests like the incredible George Brightman here tonight. Um, and uh, you can always check out our YouTube page as well as our Facebook page, LLOS Fumar, for a calendar of upcoming guests. We've got some great shows to kick off 2023, uh, including a couple of shows in the next couple of weeks. Uh, last year's number one winner, Sin Coburn, will be on here in uh, next week uh, to talk about um, to talk about the number one cigar of the year from last year. We've had a couple of uh, snafus as we've got her on. She she'll be a late, making an appearance later this month. Uh, on the twenty second, we will have Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley Cigars joining us as well. So uh, for that's everyone, rare. Out, yes, that's rare. Good catch. Uh, he was an incredible interview the first time around. I hope to capture some of the magic again. So, but for everyone out there. Appreciate all those likes, shares, and comments. Keep them coming. My name is Bear Duplissy, live from the Alec Riley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas. This was our 236th take. Congratulations to Espinosa Cigars for the number one cigar of Ellos Fumar Takes 2022 with the Espinosa Crema Box Press Toro. Guess what, everyone? We'll see you next time. All right. Peace out.